everybody. Welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 67. I am your host, back in the basement to talk about another week of wrestling with my co-host and teenage son, Jackson. Say hello, Jack. Hi, I am tired. Why are you tired? Up, up too late? I was up way too late. Shouldn't do that. We did ca- catch um, Rampage that contributed to your, to your lateness, and then you stayed up later after that as well. Yes. How dare you? Yeah, I know. But you can have a lazy Saturday. Yeah. I've got to run out and do things. We're down here a little bit early today because i got to go... Your brother's basketball is starting to ramp up, so I've got to go do some coaching and whatnot. And uh, so we're in the basement a little bit early today, but you that's okay. You do stuff like a, a normal human, and I will do nothing. <laughs> that sounds like the plan, yes. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Um, if you would like to contact us, we'll get that out of the way right now. FNSWrestling at gmail.com. FNS underscore wrestling underscore podcast on Instagram. Or leave a comment in YouTube. And I will get back to everyone that leaves a comment at this point, gets a reply from one of us. So we'd love to hear what you think of this show, what you think of wrestling in general, any questions you have for us that we could address in the show. Or come up with your best insult for me. I would like to hear it. Oh, really? Jack wants to be insulted. Yes. Or if you got any good Yo Mama jokes, send them to me. I think that would also be funny. Wow. It's back to the 90s with uh, White Men Can't Jump. That movie was full of Yo Mama jokes. Oh, nice. Yes. Uh, I don't know anything to talk about. We're finishing up our week off. Sad face. We only have yeah. a, a today and tomorrow left on our bizarre week Which off. Which that doesn't even count because that's the weekend and we always get We always off. get the weekend. But yeah, I, we didn't do anything exciting. This is a week we generally travel, but uh, due to certain things globally, we did not travel this year. Hoping to get back to it next year, right? Yes. Hit Jamaica a couple times. That was yeah. really nice. We're missing that. But uh, basically the school that... Uh, starts a, a week early so we get this week off instead starting the right. last week of august and then get this week to sort of make up for it but anyways anything exciting you want to talk about before we get um, into news and stuff i don't really have much banter this week i don't know uh, me neither no all right well i can't think of anything i don't think people tune in to hear us talk about random stuff anyways they're probably here to hear us talk about you wrestling talk about ourselves huh? right because we're fascinating interesting people yes but I guess we can transition to talking about wrestling, and the first segment will be talking about some news and rumors. And we'll start with ratings again. So Tuesday's live Halloween Havoc edition of WWE NXT 2.0 drew 746,000 viewers, which is up 23.1% from the previous week. And it earned a 0.18 in the key 18 to 49 demographic, also up a pretty whopping 28.57. And to be fair, they were also facing strong competition on Tuesday from a Major League Baseball World Series was on. So they're and, extra screwed because the show's bad and also baseball. And there was NBA as well. Yeah. Oh, and basketball. <laughs> right. So baseball. Well, I would say they deserve it. Baseball playoffs, beginning of NBA season. But this viewership is tied for the seventh best of the year for NXT and the sixth best since the move to Tuesdays. So all in all, I think that's a pretty good week for NXT. Their numbers were up. They got to about close to 750,000. And especially in the 2.0 era, that's a pretty good rating for them, I think, right? So I imagine it's the draw of Halloween Havoc. It's almost like it's a pay-per-view on a show or a special episode. Although if this was an actual pay-per-view, I would be insulted. You would be upset about it. (laughs) Yes. So um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So Wednesday's live AEW Dynamite episode back on Wednesday, right? Instead of a couple yes, weeks sir. on Saturdays where their numbers so took a hit. So it will be talked about today? Yes. So it got back up to 941,000 viewers. So up, it looks 
insane because they did lose so many viewers switching to Saturday, but it's up 63.65%. Right, and I don't think they can do the Friday Dynamite like they were doing um, a while ago because obviously Rampage, Rampage is, is on Fridays Rampage. now. Rampage. Yes, and they got a 0.40 in the 18 to 49 demographic, up 81.81%. So huge gains, obviously, but that's because they were in the Saturday time slot the last two weeks. So for a little better reference, I thought the last time Dynamite returned from a hiatus airing on different nights was June 30th, and that show drew 883, so 883,000, sorry, so a little bit better this week, and the key demo on that week was 0.35 and a 0.4 this week. So a little bit better than it did the last time they switched dates and came right. back to their normal. the closest comparison. Right. So... I mean, decent numbers for both. I'm sure Dynamite would prefer to stay over a million, obviously, but they got pretty close, and I think NXT is probably happy with their numbers this week. Yeah. What do you got for us? Um, AEW did sign Tony Nese yes. after we saw him in the crowd uh, last week and also this week. So not a big surprise, really, right? You sort no. of expect that they've signed him um, if they're showing him. That's cool. I guess they'll just sign anyone. I'm yeah. really interested to see what they do with him because he is very capable in the ring, right? But it's yeah. just kind of personality and character-wise. Whether it's his fault or WWE's fault, I don't know, but he didn't really have one. I thought the premier athlete was a decent gimmick, but then yes. he turned babyface for a bit and beat Buddy Murphy, which nobody should do. Yep. Um, and then, I don't know, he kind of got lost in the shuffle, because well, who get cares about the cruiserweight And you division. get pigeonholed as soon as you're in the cruiserweight division, right? You're small, so in WWE, that's it for well, you. it's not even the worst spot, it's just because they didn't care about it at all. Like, if they actually put some effort in the division, then it doesn't matter as much. Right, and you're me. going to the land where they don't talk about how small people are. Like, nobody talks about how small Pac is, or how small Daniel Bryan is, right? Like, uh, um, Unless you're Marco Stunt, then you kind of have to talk about it. Right, but, but the, the, everybody else is just a guy that's wrestling, so hopefully he can get treated a little better because he definitely is good in the ring so i'm interested to see how they sort of repackage him if they yeah. do uh so i've got a bunch of roh stuff this week so yes you do um and it's funny because i usually have to like specifically seek out ring of honor news but this week it just sort of came through because it's kind of interesting i talked about it a bit on my roh what was it 527 review which by the way i don't think i'll be doing roh this week because due to some sort of issues they're saying with their parent company um they don't have a show ready so i don't know what happened but it looks like they're going with a jay lethal sort of tribute highlight show so i don't know if i i may check it out but i don't know if i'm going to be reviewing it so if you don't see me talking about ring of honor this week that would be why but anyways not only that they have announced they're going on hiatus huge news, yeah. hiatus for early 2022 as they quote reimagine the company so following the december 11th final battle pay-per-view i guess it could be the final battle possibly <laughs> right i hope not but uh in baltimore ring of honor will go on hiatus as they take the first quarter of 2022 off to quote work internally to reimagine the company so there will be no live events during the first quarter of 2022 so that's january february march as the current plan is to return to acting uh in april with Supercard of Honor. So Ring of Honor noted they hope to return with a new, quote, fan-focused product and provide a unique experience for fans. So a little bit of clarification on what that might look like. In a related update, Dave Meltzer reports that ROH has basically released everyone uh, from their contracts. Including Taylor Rust. And PW Insider adds that multiple wrestlers who were on ROH's company Zoom call were informed that if their contracts were expiring at the end of this year, meaning 2021, they're not going to be renewed in 2022. 
So wrestlers would then become free agents, all of them, and wrestlers who have contracts that go beyond January 1st will remain under contract for at least some period of time, rumored to be March uh, or April of 2022. So... That leads in, if you don't mind, I'm just going to keep running with this ROH stuff. Because the next story is basically that they, and it seems to make sense if they're releasing everybody, the next step is that they are reportedly going to operate as basically an independent promotion, which is kind of funny because when I'm talking about Ring of Honor, I say that that's the mindset I've kind of had to get in or else you get mad that there's a lack of storylines and a lack of feuds and stuff, right? Because they just don't have time in one hour a week. So I always say, like, I think the best way to watch ROH is just to treat it like your local indie and that these are the wrestlers you're getting this week sort of thing. Um, So on the latest edition of Wrestling Observer Radio, Meltzer noted that Ring of Honor will come out of this hiatus operating basically like an independent promotion. It'll be the same as, like, the larger indie promotions like PWG and GCW, where they bring in top talents for shows, but they don't really have anybody committed to their company. However, it kind of makes it tough to have champions, right? Because you don't really have a guarantee that they can be on every show because they're not dedicated to your company. They could be doing other things as independent wrestlers. So uh, it could be difficult. Um, they might not be able to show up for shows or if they sign with another company, right? They could may not be a be very able... temporary thing. If yeah, so out. it's interesting to see. Uh, so then they announced again that um, they're uh, what I said earlier, they're just going to go with archived footage of ROH World Champion Jay Lethal this week. So I don't know if I'll, re- uh, I'll um, review it or not. ROH noted that the change is due to technical difficulties with the parent company of Sinclair Broadcasting. So they're blaming their parent company for not having an episode. I don't really know what's going on, but it's just going to be a recap of Jay Lethal. So I'm not sure I'll check it out. But so I I mean, this news is a little bit scary because I worry about a company shutting down for three months. Are they really really going to come back sort of thing? But and I think um, uh, Mom sent me a thing. I sent it to you that AEW is looking to sign a bunch of some them. talent. You would think so. And I mean... I did say this to you, but if they're willing to sign Tony Nese, they go. have to be willing to sign Taylor Rust, right. okay? And they might. If, if they sign Taylor Rust, I'm going to be very happy. So I'm actually and kind I'll watch of... all of his matches. I'm nervous. As long as they actually do come back, I'm kind of okay with it because, like I said, my theory's been to treat it as an indie already. And they're, they're, this could be their plan, but then the, it just doesn't come to fruition. And treating it as an indie when it's always the same wrestlers is tougher, right? So this might mean I get fresh people coming through more often. Um, Because I already have to think of it like an indie promotion in terms of build and stories anyways. So if I'm getting a talent sort of cycled through quicker, I might actually like it better. It's weird. ROH is probably considered one of the bigger promotions in the U.S. But then like they only have like an hour long show. Like even Impact has at least two hours, which I feel like if ROH was able to have that, then it'd be different. I have no reason to believe just my suspicion that maybe that pure division is going to be gone too because that was... And it's funny because I thought it was a cool idea, right? And I ended up kind of not really loving it because it's it's too serious and too trying to make wrestling real. It made me realize I need some professional wrestling and some like over-the-top characters and stuff to, to keep me interested. So I'm wondering if the pure division did not go over as well as they think it did and that, that when they come back that that just might be gone altogether because I feel like it's not. Yeah, it hasn't, they need a different uh, mid-card title. It or was an interesting idea. The TV title. But. And respect for them trying it, but it really didn't get a lot of attention or praise or anything, right? It's just kind of there, and I don't really enjoy it. So anyways, that's my block of Ring of Honor news. What else do you have? I have a couple other things, but that's it. Um, 
Here's something that's probably interesting to me and nobody else. <laughs> nice. Um, Damien Priest, Carmella, and Bearcat Lee. Yes, his name is Bearcat, Bearcat Lee now. Lee. It is so great. I love it very much. Poor Bearcat. Uh, they all received new entrance themes on Raw. Um, Carmella's theme, like, um, so her first theme was pretty good. The fabulous yep. one. That, that I, I like that it one. Was that, that one was always pretty good. And then her uh, newer one for her current character was Garbage. So I don't know. I haven't heard how good her new one is, but it. Probably it kind of has to be better than the last one. Could be. Um, I love Damien Priest theme, so it kind of sucks that that one's gone. Yeah. Um, but I, I noticed his um Tron. It's really interesting. It it started out with like Damien in like a dark and like red thing, and then it showed Priest in like a kind of like a heaven looking thing, and then like his Tron. It's like a giant silhouette, and half of it's like white, and then half of it's like black, and it says Damien and Priest. Yeah. Because yeah, Priest is god yes thing yes um, so he's tra- he's transitioning into like some religious character or? i don't know i think it's we'll just see, playing on his name and yeah he they did one things all, oh we saw a darker edge of damien priest on raw so like i don't know they're just gonna tell us that right um his face did, ironically did look darker for some reason but weird anyways and like i don't know i like the themes so that kind of sucks and keith lee has a new theme i'm i'm trying not to pay attention to him because it just makes me sad because remember how over he was and how and his first theme was awesome. I loved it. It was He's pretty just, good. what a waste there yeah. of that guy. So, I mean, maybe they'll turn it around. I don't have a lot of faith, but. I'm pretty sure they already did turn it around in like the wrong direction. Kind of checks all the boxes and still they can't figure out how to use the guy. But anyways, yeah. um, for me, WWE has reportedly pulled SmackDown Women's Champion Charlotte Flair from doing media interviews this week. So as was reported, I'm sure people have heard there was a backstage confrontation between Flair and Becky Lynch. Sorry, why? And also, I thought they were friends. Oh, you didn't know that? It was no, ab- I did, but I don't really understand. It was about the, why. apparently, Charlotte went off the script when they were exchanging titles and, like, dropped the title on the ground and then something else. Oh. And Becky felt like that was her being disrespectful because she was supposed to hand it to Becky for Becky to hold both the belts momentarily to sort of harken back to Becky two belts and Charlotte just didn't want to do it and sort of dropped the belt on the ground. She says accidentally, but I don't know. So then that led to them having some sort of exchange backstage where Charlotte was eventually... Like, when we say interviews, do we mean real interviews or... What do you mean real Show interviews. interviews. What? Like an interview on the show. No, in the ring, yes. She did not follow the script. She went off No, I mean, like, you said she's being pulled from interviews. Like, real interviews? Yes, like actual interviews for the company. It's almost like they're... Because that makes sense, then, because then obviously the conversation goes towards... Or the state she's in, maybe she's not going to be saying positive things about the company, right? So they're trying to get out ahead of that. Um, So the tension apparently led to words between the two, and then Flair was asked to sort of leave the backstage area even was sent home sort of thing so she won't be doing interviews so close to that i guess yeah just out of fear that a that's going to be the topic she's asked about and b her frame of mind she may not be positive about the i hope she doesn't end up leaving wwe because she's a very wwe yes i don't style now like i used to think she was really good and like she's not she's still good but i don't think she's that great anymore i think i'm on record somewhere saying she'll be the best women's wrestler of all time when she's done yeah and now i'm like she just i don't know she just just exists kind of like she's not putting on these matches partly overexposure it's partly no change in her character my my thing too is if she does leave where do you think she's going like she's obviously gonna get tacked onto andrade which i don't want no me either Although so, their women's division could use help, it's still I don't. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't. Know I, don't I don't need her there. Like, 
yes, that women's division needs help, but the last thing I want is Charlotte Flair in AEW. And she also had that moment where she was legitimately, apparently, slap-fighting Nia Jax not long ago, right? Although so she I don't seems blame her, because be, I, I would slap-fight Nia Jax, She too. seems to be having some issues. But anyways, uh, anything else from you? Um, Seth Rollins is next in line to challenge Big E for the WWE title. Uh, he won a ladder match on Raw against Owens, Mysterio, and Finn Balor. Right. Um, I think that's kind of cool. I, I'm, I'm interested in that feud. Um, does... They do have a bit of history as Big E was the second NXT champion beating Rollins. <laughs> right. But that They'll is, never mention that. That's from like 2013, so that will not be mentioned. That did not happen. But um, I don't know. I think this is a cool feud, and um, people are already like, ooh, what does Seth win? Seth versus Roman at Survivor Series. Ugh. Like, I mean, yes, I would like that very much, but like that's just like the second there's any chance of something like that, like the second there was the ch- uh, the chance of like Woods versus Kofi and the yep. the King of the Ring tournament, they jump on that or like don't you have I to call know. him King Woods or King something at King this point? Woods and Sir Kofi, right? Exactly. Yeah, um, but I don't know. Um, that that's cool. Yep. I would like to see Rollins versus Roman. Um, but I don't know how good. I think Biggie's still off to his, a start so far. Yeah, I'm hoping he retains still. They need to give him a bit of time with that. Yeah. Uh, my last one, just because it made me laugh, kind of, is Shawn Michaels talking about NXT 2.0. Oh, okay. And the headline is, quote, it reminds me of the Attitude Era. No. So just imagine this. This is a shill, dumb, right? Dumb Sean. This dumb is a shill Sean. for the company. He's entrenched in the company. He's a company man. He's only going to say company things. So dumb. Here, here's what he said. Ready? Okay. I even bolded stuff that made me laugh the most. During this now 30, doing this now, sorry, for 35 years, I've seen constant change and change is certainly not new to us in WWE. It's uh-huh. constantly evolving and changing. Uh-huh. I've heard people call this a refresh. Yep. But it's this is part that's in bold. But it's still the same crew. Not pardon. Is it? Which is great because they're so damn talented. Are it they? reminds me of the Attitude Era. No. We had the same roster the day before the Attitude Era started. No. And I still remember Vince coming into the locker room and making that speech, inspiring us and making us hungry for the future. That's what this is. No. Turning over a new leaf. No. This part in bold. Restructuring a few things. A few things? A few things. And putting a, a brand new coat of paint on. This part I put in bold because it made me laugh. A dominant and incredible brand. Yeah, you did put a new coat of paint all over the logo, you idiot. Dominated what? Exactly. I don't know. Dominated. Got dominated. Got dom- yeah. Yes. Changed I think you forgot a word. a few word. things. You changed freaking everything. Uh, the look, the logo, the... The freaking champions, like... Right, so my my thoughts were, could he sound more like a shill at this point? The same crew just evolved? Has he watched NXT 2.0? I don't think How many new characters are there? And I love that paint metaphor, because that literally looks like what they did to the logo and the Tron. But what are we, conservatively half a dozen new people? Like 10, half a dozen to 10 brand new people that's the same crew as was there the day before, according to him. Um, Anyways, and... Forcing comparisons to Attitude Era seems no. really contrived and intentional, yeah, right? Yeah, especially because like, this is clearly geared towards children, which the Attitude Era could not be the more opposite right. of. So as someone who watched both Attitude Era and NXT 2.0 as an adult, uh, this comparison's ridiculous, and I imagine Sean knows it, but he's a company man, so this is what he's going to say. Yep. So anything else for you? I'm done for um, news. I've got like four more things, I think. Go for it. Um, So pr- some we got some pre-Smackdown Dark matches from yesterday. Featured Raquel Gonzalez beating Tony Storm. So they have already begun. Uh-oh. 
uh, She's Raquel going. transition out as she dropped the title to Mandy Rose because nothing in NXT is good. Right. And then the Viking Raiders defeated the Creed brothers, who Uh-oh. were oddly without Malcolm Bivens. Already, eh? Mm-hmm. That's going to be the problem. As soon as anyone looks good in NXT, they might be gone, right? So right. And even, the Creed even brothers, I've not good. Even if they're not good, like or like the Creed brothers aren't bad, but they're very inexperienced, right? So I feel like they need a lot more time, right? Especially character wise, because right. their wrestling doesn't matter on main and roster. Taking away much. Bivens, that's going to hurt them more. Absolutely. And this feels like exactly what they're doing with Cross and Scarlet. Hopefully, it's them the just circuit. trying people out and not getting closer to moving them up. But who knows? Yeah. Uh, next we have uh, I, the title. I think it's pretty funny. It's W's uh, new tactic to make uh, talent appear larger. Uh-oh. Um, so obviously, like, they exaggerate uh, weight in hype billing, but whatever. Yes, they they're, do. Um, and um, so the, their plan is to uh, hire shorter referees. Yeah, of course. They always right. want tiny referees um, and managers. Right, to make uh, the wrestlers uh, appear taller than they are. So that what is nice. What a warped mind Vince McMahon has. Like, somehow it... It's so important to him to be big. Like, he will take these kind of steps, right, to make... Like, again, AEW doesn't focus on that. They have smaller wrestlers who are just presented as legitimate wrestling talent, right? And it works. So this obsession, it's really, I think, a window into Vince's mind, right? Must be big, must be big. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is the length they're going, like... You'd almost, they're going to employ discriminatory hiring practices, right? Like, you're too tall. Like, I'll never get a job as a referee right. because I'm actually 6'1", and I've stood beside some wrestlers with in pictures who are listed taller than myself, and they're not, right? Not from WWE necessarily, but from Impact Wrestling and some other places, um, like oh. Brian Cage, not taller than me. John Morrison, not <laughs> taller than me. But anyways... Um, so yeah, I just think it's a little glimpse at the, the mind of Vince McMahon and it's a bit scary. Yeah. And I, um, one that really was interesting to me is, um, Triple H's original vision for 205 Live. And it's going to sound a little familiar. I haven't heard this. Um, so coming from Tony Nese, um, he, um, he said it's all speculation, but, um, apparently like, uh, he wanted, Triple H wanted the show to have a yearly tournament. Uh-huh. Obviously, there was the Cruiserweight Classic, yes. but nothing. And it was fun. Other than, I think there was a tournament when the title was vacated by um, Enzo. Right. Um, and you wanted to have, like, win-loss records and all that stuff, and wanted to have a different feel. So, obviously, that sounds pretty similar to um, a particular current company. Right. It does. Um, and so, uh, Nice was think- he thinks, like, it might change after the Cruiserweight Classic tournament, because the Cruiserweights were... Um, featured on raw i remember right. like they yes. exclusive to raw and then they introduced 205 live a little while ago i love when they use the term exclusive and then he said <laughs> as soon as it it was announced that the cruise rates would be part of raw that was where vince was like no it's my show now and all the stuff went out of the, out of the window right. so, and then it died yes a slow death yeah nice. um thanks vince. and then one more thing is because they're small you know so right an update on the AEW impact wrestling relationships yep. so obviously the it's supposed to be kind of uh, taking a break right. other, after Bound for Glory as Christian Cage dropped the impact title to Josh Alexander, who dropped it to Moose. Um, but apparently, like, um, there's the doors open to do more stuff, but nothing yeah. is planned for the short term. Well, obviously. I do know that I can tell you the Good Brothers were back in Impact, which just made my heart warm, obviously. Yes. So they seem to be done touring with AEW for a little bit. That actually makes me happy. Right. Not me, because I'm the one that watches Impact, and you know I love the Good Brothers. Sucker. Uh, anything else? Uh, nope. 
All right, well, that's wrapping up our news and rumors, and we'll take us into talking in-depth about the first show of the week, which is Jack's favorite show. Just kidding. NXT 2.0 Halloween Havoc Edition. So this was the Halloween Havoc episode of NXT. So we were, I mean, hopeful is a strong word, I guess. Slightly. And we'll see if this makes it better or worse than usual. Right. Like thinking because this is essentially like a special episode or. a They can't give us three minute matches. Right. It can't be just full of three minute matches with people we don't really know. I think. Don't worry. They'll at least squeeze in like at least one. They might. But uh, they, they have to. They have to. So we start out with the video package featuring Chucky. I'm already sighing because. Yeah, not only is it stupid, but it doesn't even, like, look like... When you picture Chucky, you It's don't... not from the original movies or whatever. It's from the new show, I guess, that I don't know anything right. about. I it, thought it... it was just, like, I didn't even know there was a show. So I thought it was just, like, their crummy, like, like Make-A-Wish Chucky or something. No, I know it's something. a show. I've no, heard... it is, because I remember this. I saw, like, the trailer, like, the thing, um, like, for the commercials And or I think it's right after NXT, which is why there hasn't been an overrun lately, because it starts right after. So right. anyways. And so he's in the show line. He, he just looks, he literally looks like a baby face doll that, yes. like, they just made to look like Chucky, kind of. I just, uh, I don't know. I'm just hoping at this point, just talking about from the opening segment here, that it's he's not prevalent throughout this show was my hope. Uh. <laughs> yes. So... Um, we then get some highlights of events leading up to tonight's matches, including all of the toxic attraction stuff over the last of month course, or so. Of course, still the Chucky, just because it, because they have to make everything suck more. And also the Tommaso Ciampa, Braun Breaker sort of stuff that's led up to their championship match tonight. So again, it was a fine little recap, I guess, but it really feels like it's aimed at younger people than myself, and maybe even you, being a 14-year-old person. I'm not even sure. I guess it's aimed at you, but... I don't think so. But it's not connecting with you. I can confidently say that, right? No, I've thoroughly hated the show pretty much every week. (laughs) You have. Uh, So we start out, the opening match is the Scareway to Hell ladder match for the NXT Tag Team Championship. So remember... (laughs) Io Shirai got to spin, got the big advantage, right? No, it was a mental edge and momentum, okay? (laughs) By spinning the wheel that would then randomly decide what the match was. Right. Right, huge advantage. So that this is the match we get, which is basically just a, a ladder, ladder match, match for there's the nothing, championships. Nothing like literally just a ladder match. There's it's just no them difference. trying really hard to shoehorn Halloween-y sounding stuff in, right? Like, which is fine. Um, I don't really care. I don't mind that, but like it is kind of. I mean, I don't think there's any really like Halloween specific matches you can do unless you. I was. No. I came up with like it would be pumpkin plunder where you just have pumpkins in the ring. And you could use pumpkins. Of all the issues but, I like, have with NXT, them naming their matches like this and doesn't that, that's bother me too much. That's done. Like they've been doing yeah. trick or street fights they for have. years. Um, so this is EO and Zoe Stark, the defending champions, taking on Toxic Attractions, Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. <laughs> Bless you. As well as Indy Hartwell and Persia Parada. And take a sip of my pear juice to clear my throat. So Chucky comes back. Obviously, he starts talking about the women raising some hell in this ladder match for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship. And then the bell just kind of rings Depends as on your he's talking. for raising hell. Yes, and also great to have Chucky back within the first 30 seconds <laughs> of this match, as I was hoping maybe we wouldn't yes. see him again, but we will. Uh, so... To start this, the other two teams sort of throw Toxic Attraction to the floor, and then Indy is remaining in the ring. She gets hit with a double suplex. 
EO really quickly, right, with about a one minute into this match or so, is all, or so, sorry, is already getting a ladder out from underneath the ring. So Toxic Attraction a bit later end up stacked up in the corner. They take a splash and some other offense from Indy Hartwell. And then Zoe and EO end up on a ladder that gets tipped over. This seems to be a good chunk of this match, right, is people on ladders getting pushed off. Um, so Dolan and Stark kick each other in the head. Both of them are down. We get a double T DDT on the floor by Io Shirai. She climbs another ladder, but Indy jumps on that same ladder, knocks Io off. Then jo Zoe Stark jumps on, and she and Indy sort of battle as um, Persia Parada is getting an even taller ladder. So now we get lots of people on the same large ladder. People are getting pushed off. Zoe gets tipped off and lands on the top rope, but then she sort of lands feet first on the top rope and uses that to springboard onto people on the floor which was one of the better spots in this match i thought it was okay but one ricochet did it far better of course i, I still remember who <laughs> never heard of him <laughs> and two she like she almost slipped off the ropes like it, she there it was, was like, some shaking it there. was like she fell from the ropes rather than like jumped yeah. from the ropes still impressive though to even pull it off at all um, Parada then hits a snake eyes Compared to EO. To some of the other stuff in that. <laughs> snake eyes to EO, powerbomb to Dolan onto a ladder in the corner, which was a pretty painful looking spot. And then Parada's up on top of the ladder. She almost has the belt, but JC Jane climbs over her, which leads to a Rana, Hurricane Rana by JC Jane sending Parada into another ladder that's there, sort of yeah, like. That was one of those iffy Hurricane Ranas where like she Hurricane Ranas her, but then she just runs forward into right. it. Like So she snaps it off really early and then the other person <laughs> right. has to like provide the momentum. Right, like, or, like yes. they don't like do like a somersault on the back after like a normal Hurricane Ranas. They just kinda like run, run into or a like ladder. or just land on their stomach, which I always think looks kinda weird. Yes. It wasn't the cleanest. EO then pulls JC Jane off a ladder onto another ladder before hitting a moonsault to Jane on that ladder, which was a pretty nice spot. It was nice, but then Jane's like doing that thing where like she just flops around like a fish yeah, after. Yeah, she oversold which a bit. That, that, that kind of took away from it a little for me, but it was pretty good. Yep, this, that spot was good for sure. Zoe kicks Parada and Indy, oh sorry, and Indy as Parada lands on a ladder and Stark hits the least impactful Phoenix splash ever. We even get she, the... Like, Fully landed on her feet. Her yeah, her like her legs hit forward. the ground first. Like the um, absolute amount of like just botches and one on this match was just it was really painful to watch. We got it. Didn't get all of it from Barrett. It was basically like she was going for a phoenix splash, but was gonna land on her feet because the other person moved out of the way. Except the other person didn't move out of the way, and she was supposed to hit the splash. So right. it, it did not look good. And we like Zoe Stark, so that was unfortunate. Uh, Indy hits a spine buster to Zoe on a ladder, so that Indy again tips EO off a tall ladder and onto another ladder, spanning the apron to the announce table. That was probably the most painful looking spot of the match, and of course it was EO Shirai, right? Falling from the ring on a ladder onto like a ladder bridge on the floor. Looked pretty crazy. Then Indy has her hands on the belts, looks like she's about to win, but Gigi Dolan kicks her down off the ladder and grabs the belts to win this oh. car crash of a match that was only 12 minutes. We have new champions See, as... See, when they advertised the TLC pay-per-view as a human demolition derby, this is what they're thinking of, like, because this is just a car crash. It yes. was, and not in, like, a good way, necessarily. <laughs> not in a good way or a fun way, just in an awful, I don't want to watch this way. So I anticipated this title change. What did you think of this opening match? Oh, yeah, it's not surprising at all. It's just extremely depressing. Um, I, this is not great at all. I it was actually kind of bad. I did not like it. 
Uh, there are a couple of decent spots, but any good move in this match was immediately done by like three other botches. Right. Uh, the result of this match is the worst possible result I could have hoped for, and I assume Mandy will win the title later, so this will probably be my last review of NXT, because I do not want to continue watching and maybe talking about a show in which Mandy Rose and her um, compadres or whatever um, are holding all of the championships. Yep. Um, nobody other than EO and possibly Zoe has the wrestling chops to be in this kind of match. Hmm. Um, I thought this match type would help to hide the lack of town here, but all it did was make it right. All it did was make it more painfully obvious. Um, the show is off to really bad stars, even by NXT 2.0 standards. So ready for my in-depth analysis because we didn't really talk about this at all. Right. This was a ladder match between people who have no experience in ladder matches and are probably no right not to be in a ladder probably match. not ready for ladder matches other than EO, right? So this and I think she, you're right. she was in one last year um, or it was a TLC match, but everyone knows it's basically the same. So it's kind of like most of these women are not strong wrestlers yet, so we can sort of hide that in this gimmick match, but but there if they s- don't know how to work this match, then that just makes it worse. There were some cool spots for sure, like three or four spots that looked good, but it right. felt like the majority of this was people climbing ladders and there was almost no actual wrestling involved, right? Because the ladder came out right in the first minute or so, and then it was just climb ladder, push off ladder, kick them off a ladder sort of thing. Um, there were some sloppy moves all- along the way as well. And then there were just a couple odd delays as people were setting up these spots, right? So even though you're getting good spots, you're kind of getting awkward setups to some of them. Again, because most of the people in this match are not very experienced and probably shouldn't be working this type of match, but that's okay. I think it was trying to be nice, better than the usual three-minute NXT matches. So I guess this is a good opener by their standards. I'd rather just have a nothing match than something actively bad. I expected the title change. And again, at this point, I'm assuming Toxic Attraction end up with all of the gold tonight. And that is not super exciting to me. It is the opposite of appealing. So I think that we can say like, Everybody involved in this worked hard, but that doesn't always mean it's good. Yeah, right? that doesn't exactly They tried. They tried really here. hard, but it was not a great match. Yeah. We then get Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Um, they are pulling Aww. up to, I guess, the haunted house that they have to go into if they want to, to get... get the title that belongs to Hayes. Right. Another, another, we steal Amazing your build. thing. You got to do something to get it back. That's right. It's like, the WWE now standard of if you steal someone's personal property, they have to go through something to get it back. You can dictate what they have to do to get it back. Right. A match where they put on the line. Doesn't matter. Go Whatever. through a haunted house. Yep. It's all the same. So Hayes and Trick have to navigate this haunted house to get the belt back is the story we're working with here so Hayes as they're pulling up says the house looks bigger than last year I guess was he didn't say last year I'm adding that in I guess that's what he's referring to I didn't quite know because he just goes the house looks bigger so is he saying I guess remember Loomis and Grimes last year but is that him winking at the camera going we're not using the same house as before I don't I don't I I missed it anyways trick notes that I'm not gonna (laughs) bother so he's basically saying the house is bigger and trick says that Loomis now has that Gargano money so that that's why he could have a bigger house and the Garganos are known for having money I I, guess because he's been wrestling for a long time but it's never been part of his story that he has money like it'd be different if like Grimes helped them out they could they could literally just throw in that like is the laziest thing but at least that makes sense make things make sense you know right uh, Hayes says that they should get going, but neither of them do. They're both very hesitant to get out and start this process, which I can understand from several viewpoints. Uh, Trick suggests that he keep the car running and Carmelo can go in, but Carmelo says no, and they finally get out and they head in together. There's a 
body in the yard, like a dead body, I guess, which they say can't be real until it howls at them. Terrifying, I know. They move on, and Gargano and Loomis are shown inside watching on TV, I guess. There's cameras everywhere in this place. Right. Gargano tells us that he's homed, home alone up the house and has had help from the zombie That's ref. That's not even true. He didn't even home alone it up. Even the reference to the zombie ref, whether you like him or not, was so lazy. Like, here he is. Ha, ha, ha. Remember last year? Ha, ha, ha. Like, it's so... It's the, a bigger house than last year. Ha, ha. It's the zombie ref. Ha. Like, it's just laziness. I don't know. Hayes and Trick get scared by another person in a mask, and then they see someone who they think is Johnny Gargano, so Hayes grabs him, but uh, they find out quickly that it's just like a zombie child or something. It doesn't even look like a zombie. It's... But it doesn't seem to upset them too much for being terrified to come into the house. Still, Yeah, no, this looks like... like, It makes them look so great. Zombie child beckons them to basically head into the house, and they do get up to the door. Trick says he'll just buy Hayes a replica belt instead so that they can leave, but Hayes says he wants his belt with the side plates on it, which Again, I thought you, you could, could appreciate. Right, but you <laughs> could also just buy the plates off of... I mean, I don't think they have them yet, but patience. Man wants his side plates. You that's, get it. I Yeah, that's true. They go to knock on the door, and it opens, and they walk into this as the first part grown of this is done. Yes. Go ahead. Tell of me course, about it. Of course. I was, this was the thing I was afraid of, is that we have to get at least one more of part. Course. At least one more part. Uh, this was lame. It was stupid. And also, it was <laughs> dumb. Wow. Um, and, of course, we have to get another part to this. Yes. We can't just get it over with now. No. Uh, zombie referee is back, which is dumb. And they, like you said, they just kind of brought him in like, oh, here he is. He's right? in the picture now. Uh, there's the other zombie guy, which was dumb. The weird kid, which was dumb. And what kind of baby faces are Gargano and Loomis to take Carmelo's belt? Or, like, he left it there and they're like, they don't even, like, just throw it to him. Right. They keep the belt that it belongs to him. And then they force him to go through a haunted house. Like, psychologically like, torture him, you right. could argue. Psycholo- right. Psychologically torture him. Like, Very with, baby like, face. Booby traps or, like, and creepy zombie fools just to get something that's rightfully his. Right. Like, it's so stupid. Great baby faces we got. Um. Yeah, this was not entertaining to me at all. I don't know what other people think. I'll find out after we record this. I'll go check out some other people's thoughts. But as you said, right, we're clearly going back to this at least once or twice more. And it better get more interesting or have some sort of payoff. I don't think it can. And here's what I think is a decent point. Did Jonathan Gargano not just last week tell us he's done with the silliness? Right? He Didn't he say that? And that now it's time Sounds to... Sounds like he's dead. He thinks the next thing he should focus on is taking on someone like Hayes in the ring. It's pretty much, I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty close. And then he does like the close. polar opposite exactly. to taking him on in the ring. So then he's back to like extreme uh, if we had silliness. Gone, if, we, if you had taken the time that they did with the Taunted House thing and maybe like remove the next match um, you, and put in a Gargano-Hayes match, I, that would have been so much better. And that probably would have helped the show for me. So are we to believe, you know, I love to say that, that jo- this is Johnny Gargano not doing silly stuff any because he he literally right. said like the honeymoon the wedding blah 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 but now it's time to focus it's either on him facing ignoring, you in the ring it's either him ignoring and blatantly contradicting himself or writers this, writing things or, and having no plans or this is more serious than a, a wedding <laughs> right? and stuff which i don't even think it is it feels to me like main roster writing where they don't really care what happens week to week it's just like every week it's a blank slate and away we go right I was actually just reading something by... Like it's a miracle they continue stories. I think it was one of the recent temporary commentators for uh, WWE talking about like 
one of the main differences from doing WWE and real sports was that real sports, you're supposed to like refer to the history of things and they're discouraged from talking about anything that happened more than two weeks ago when you're doing commentary. Because, right? Because if you do that, none of it makes sense. Listing someone's accolades, right? Like, yeah, barely even though, because everything falls apart if you talk about any stories from like any sort of no because people are dumb why would they remember but anyways uh so grayson waller is here in the dracula gear so correct me if i'm wrong but la knight won the match to become the no that is that is correct and so he says he doesn't know what happened to la knight and i think that's the only explanation we get until the reveal later i bet after the match last week he locked him in a trunk and la knight has been there for a week so not only can you just make your own matches but you can also just assume whatever role you want okay the guy that even beat though, me like for this isn't here so i'll just do it i i would have just like because i see i'll say i put this in my notes for later but like because he's he's in the show quite a bit right like almost Waller? as if a yes. host right and so i'm like why couldn't you just have him win the match then because he didn't need to lose again i would have loved for him to get a win and so like he should have just beaten night last week because last night showing up home. later supposed to be some big thing not not to spoil anything right but... and, and night literally does nothing like notable or of consequence on the show like he hardly does anything on the show but anyways waller's here dressed as dracula he's the runner-up so he's here to save the show because again there is no authority figure it's just the inmates running the asylum at this point so he's decided he's going to host the hottest party that's happening backstage and because it's halloween the hottest women are wearing tiny and then he's interrupted by joe gacy oh gacy like he had to like that's just so stupid gacy hugs waller gets a microphone says that corrupt minds like Grayson's is why Halloween isn't a very inclusive holiday. He says it's a simple way to exploit and sexualize all people, and to balance it out, he's, he's here to set a much more positive message. I mean, he, I agree. I, I feel like the first point's a little fair, the whole sexualizing thing. Yes. But then he's like, he's gonna... What, you're gonna bring a more positive message in three minutes? All right. <laughs> Maybe. So he walks to the ring, and he's gonna face Malik Blade tonight. They... His name is apparently Malik Blade, Malik but I Blade, think that's sorry. I think that's dumb. So I call him Malik Blade because I think wants. that that sounds better. Malik Blade, it that's is. That just sounds stupid. Gacy says he's doing this for all of us, and that violence is not the answer. But then um, Malik Blade immediately. Oh, I thought of a blood feud, him versus violence by design. <laughs> so Blade kind of drop kicks him out of nowhere. Then Gacy just beats on Blade as we see footage of Harland entering the building. We get a Uranagi slam by well, Gacy. First they're like, who is it? And he's like, I think it's Harland. Of course it's Harland. And a knee to the back of the head. Vertical suplex by Gacy before a corner splash, and Gacy tosses Blake to the floor. Harlan shows up, grabs Blade by the throat, and Blade really does his best to look terrified, I guess. And then he heads back in the ring to get away from Harlan and walks straight into Gacy's handspring clothesline, and Gacy wins the match in just over two minutes. You should have just said just under Gacy then minutes. sort of the puts game. both of his hands right on either side of Harlan's face, says something to him, and then they walk away. Go ahead, talk about this banger of a match. A banger, yes. So they, that, this that's is how of, I would describe so it. So this is the standard NXT match they snuck in here, right? Right, because like I said, they you gotta, can't not. Got to go back to the formula. Um. So this was another just it was just another short squash. I have nothing really to say other than I still think this Gacy Harlan thing is weird. I guess I'll see where it goes if I even want to keep watching. Um. But it's it's kind of weird, and also I don't. Like the handspring clothesline is a f- cool move and all, but it's it's just essentially a lariat. And yes, I very much enjoy the buckshot lariat. Yes. But 
the box trailer it's cooler and it's hangman page so <laughs> uh so yeah back to standard nxt here th- sub three minute squash match but i guess it's really really different because harlan got involved this time so it's not that's true it's that's not true. the same it's, it's super very unique different. okay that that thank you for putting that out. right i did enjoy gacy's comments on halloween not being inclusive and sexualized i like the idea that He's playing a heel using his like woke character to ruin people's fun, right? He's like the wet blanket coming in and going, you guys are having fun and having a party. Here's why you shouldn't. And that's dumb. (laughs) So that I don't mind. Um, And he's manipulating Harland and whoever else he can get to join his little cult or faction or whatever you want to call it, I guess. So I'm not totally out on Gacy's character. It's just I need something else to develop from this. But I guess that's the story with Harland coming. Wait, you want them to actually develop something? Are you serious? I know that's a crazy idea, but... Yeah, like, dream on. We then at least get the return of Kaylee Ray as she's smashing a, smashing stuff against a wall that has her name painted, like, spray-painted on it, I, wonder I think it was. I wonder if she just ordered, like, a personalized smash room. So she says she's been disrespected by NXT 2.0. Agree. Yep. Despite being has the longest... Has she even been on the show? Barely. Despite being the longest reigning NXT UK champion, and that's pretty much it. I actually can't remember if she's actually had, like, a match on the show yet. She has. She's on had a 2. couple 0? of squashes. Oh, on 2.0, maybe not. No. So that's been a month. That, that's over what month. I mean. So I'm glad she was at least on the show. Because remember, this is not NXT. This is NXT 2.0. Correct. So it's very different. So I hope this is she gets the chance to unleash like the aggressive, relentless version of Kaylee Ray that is so awesome, right? Because I haven't seen it here yet. So I'm hoping it's coming. But I have my doubts because she's an experienced veteran. So what place does she have here? Other than putting over... She, I, watch, she'll challenge Mandy Rose and get killed probably. Uh, Anyways, we'll see. What did you think wait, of this? Wait, what was spoiler? Any spoiler. thoughts on this? Um, yeah, I thought it was fine. Um, but she really has no place here anymore. She really doesn't. She's too good. She's too much of a veteran. Um, in their eyes, she's probably not hot enough, right, to be anything major. So yeah, I I thought that was very evident. In, like some of the ring gear in the ladder match. Yeah. Uh, like Dolan specifically and um. Uh, Prada, and then like also the Halloween party that's coming up. Like, yes, and he, literally Waller said that he literally yes. said that. So Grayson Waller, funny you mentioned it, is backstage right. handling the party that's going on. Yep. So he goes up about. to Ikem and Jiro and Kushida, who are kind of skeptical of this whole Halloween thing, and are basically like, well, they they are they have costumes there, and they are explained, which I think so is pretty funny. You hand out strange candy to kids that come to your door. So I don't know if I've mentioned this, but when your mother and I taught in Korea back in whatever year, long time ago. We were the only foreign teachers at this school, and they literally had no concept of Halloween in Korea. We were responsible for... So this is believable that people from Japan might not have any concept of Halloween, because I can tell Although you... Although I think they've probably Japan's been... Japan's neighbor had no idea. They've, they've probably been in America long That's enough. True. So I think you would that think. this is kind of a little, like... So Waller explains to them it's like cosplay, and then they seem to get the idea... I think maybe because of the stereotypical idea that Japanese people love cosplay that we're including here. So anime. thanks, WWE. I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's right? anime. Uh, Waller then talks to Tony D'Angelo for a moment. Oh, yes. My favorite person. And then he gets ignored. He heads over to like a group of women who basically ignore him. One of them is Frankie Manet. Yeah, I didn't the whole pay time, attention to the, who anyone else was. The whole time he's like, walking around and he's like, hey, good party. Or like, hey, let's get hyped up or something. Like he's just walking yeah. around saying like, yep. when I was just like, he's like, yeah, you know. Just, Cameron Grimes makes right. an appearance. He's dressed up oh as an God. astronaut. Poor Cameron because Grimes. Because he's heading to the moon, obviously. Okay. Well, I do like the costume right. actually, but like, poor Cameron Grimes. So he tries his hand at charming a couple of women, but they quickly walk away from him. 
And then Waller tries to encourage him by saying he'll get them next time. And that's the end of this like first those segment. Specifically? What'd you think? Specifically? You loved it? How, tell me how much you loved it. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, none. Uh, this was a weird segment that had no purpose. Waller's walking around, I guess, like, hyping the party and went on just saying random things to people. And I guess it furthers the Grimes trying to get a girl story, but that was lame, too. Like, that's as what I as, have. As Grimes far, trying to find love, as, I guess. As far as Halloween Havoc, Grimes has horrible luck because he's got this stupid getting a girlfriend thing yep. here. And then last year, he was in that stupid haunted house thing with Loomis. So. As much as I don't want everyone to sign in AEW, Cameron Grimes there would be treated completely differently i believe but anyways um so this i don't know i think you'll agree with me this feels exactly almost like main roster shows around thanksgiving or christmas when it leads to a food fight right it's the same um i'm i'm actually okay that now that you bring that i'm thankful that they didn't have a food fight but this is the same like just get everyone backstage (laughs) in a couple shots it's just there's no point to this even some people you don't recognize other than taking up time on the show i don't know what the point is here they're not really furthering any stories i guess they're trying to further the grime story and the jiro kushida stuff but i don't know this is a miss for me what a surprise we then get malcolm bivens he's with diamond mine he says it's an open challenge tonight and people could either get knocked out by ivy nile get their wig split by creed brothers or get stomped out by roderick strong or get their asses kicked by tyler russ oh wait never mind and they should choose wisely wisely any th- thoughts on this it was really brief but um no but this fact would be better tyler rust I thought this was fine. Bivens is good on the mic. It was super brief. I had no issues. I had issues with many things on this show, but that little promo is not one of them. Yeah, it's it was just kind of like there. Yep. Back from a commercial break, Diamond Mine are in the ring awaiting a challenger. Oh, I hope it's someone good. It's Odyssey Jones. Oh, And okay. he wants a shot at Roderick Strong. Bivens says that with all due respect, Jones is not 205 pounds. You want to know how big of a match this is? It's a rematch from, I think, the previous week's 205 Live. That's Amazing. how big this match is. Uh, Jones still wants the match, and Roderick Strong agrees. So Strong starts off with chops and strikes, but of course they don't have much effect on Jones because he's really big. So he just <laughs> chucks Roddy across the ring. We get basic corner offense it sucks, as usual. That is a true sentence. From Jones ending in a headbutt, we get a sleeper by Roddy because you can't really do much else to this guy. So right, you no, go if back you're a to small basics. guy and he's big, you have to put you have to put him in a sleeper. And of course, since he's Mark Henry and he's big, he must do a headbutt. That's like big man one on one. Three kicks to the head and Jones is finally down, but he powers out of a pin attempt and sort of launches Roddy as he kicks out, obviously. Roddy's then working Jones's arm, kicks his leg, starts to work the left leg until Jones kicks him out of the ring. We get a body slam, have a drink, and a shoulder breaker <laughs> by Jones. Look at him adding wow. new offense. The Creed... Shoulder breaker's not at all old either. The Creed brothers get on the apron and Jones um, chases them away, chases one of them away, and then beals the other and clotheslines him to the floor. Um... He he threw in Julius. That's if you say one. so. Jones then turns around after that distraction, right into a high knee from Roderick Strong, who rolls Jones over and gets the pinfall. I didn't get in how much time it was actually, but it felt longer than three minutes by a little bit. They I'm gonna o- it say always four feels longer, so I highly doubt it was actually. I don't trust them. Um, but I I it was funny. I knew he was gonna have to win with a knee strike. I like he he did that once. A distraction for some knee strike. He's not beating that man straight up. That's okay? true. That's true. How dare you? And like I I knew it had to be knee strike. I mean it's pretty good. But considering his knee strikes like never knock out anyone, why would it knock out Odyssey Jones? Cause he is big, right? He is so big. Why would it knock him out of all people? You know. It's a great question. Um, oh, the match was just under four minutes, so they got an extra wow, an extra minute. That here. is an Ironman match right there. Wow. Right. Um, 
This is another mediocre effort from Jones. Strong is a great wrestler, but Jones still doesn't look that good or special. The finish was textbook, NXT 2.0, and awful. I was hoping Halloween Havoc would mean a better show, but so far it's been worse than last week. Like, I hated the opener, the Haunted House stuff was on the party. Like, it's been really bad so far, and I hope it can turn itself around even just a smidge. Like, I am asking for, like, the smallest possible turnaround. <laughs> right. Like... Um, I'm not asking for much. So this is what I've been complaining about Odyssey Jones, other than the fact that he's not very good, is that guys can't do anything to him either, right? So what's Roddy known for? Backbreakers. And did he hit any backbreakers here? No. Because he can't. No. He not can't. even a backstabber. So obviously the smaller champion, even though he's a champion in this country, he's company, a champion. could never get a clean win over a really big bu- big no. guy, even if that big guy can't wrestle at all. So but this he, was he's big, though. four minutes instead of the usual three, and Jones showed us a shoulder breaker. But this was still just Roddy trying to pull something out of this rookie, and it was an okay four minutes, I guess, but Jones isn't good, and he's not appealing in any way right now for me. Maybe if he turned heel and just started killing people, I could get interested, but... But even then, he's not that capable of doing stuff. It's just the same thing every week, and he added a shoulder breaker, which was fine. But now, we're getting him every week, and it's the same thing. So, enough already. Anyways, Imperium are backstage with Mackenzie, and she asks if they've spoken to Walter before their title match. Um, Basically, Bartel and Eichner speaking German and Italian, respectively, I believe. And basically, they say tonight is their night and that I think Walter's supporting them from wherever he is. And of course, the mat is sacred. Really brief. For those who don't know, we're getting freaking Walter versus Cesaro in a Liverpool live show. So I don't even think it'll be televised, which is bananas. I thought this was a fine promo and I'm just hoping these two actually get the win tonight. What did you think? Um, yeah, this was fine. I didn't catch the first bit because I wasn't, like, looking at the screen and it was subtitled because they was. were speaking in their languages, so, I. but from, it was fine from what I was able to understand and see. Um, I'm not necessarily, like, I guess, I'm not, I'm not, like, hoping that they win because I would like Grizzly Young Veterans preferably to take the titles sure. off of them because they haven't had the t- titles yet and I think they're better. But I'm I would be, I would be fine with them taking the titles. Rumors cause... were that part of the reason they may get the titles off msk is that they get booed at i i saw a conspiracy and apparently about it's something about one of them said something about izzy back in the day yes and so i saw that izzy's like, family have enough because it's only like 200 people there right? yeah no it was because izzy got choke slammed when right. she was 12 but like i don't know why why would they I get think, mad at i think it know? was wentz that said something about it was it. uh and that basically if if their family even can get like 25 people to boo out of 200 and people, that's a lot spread, of people. Word can spread quick, too. Yes. And then they think it's fun to boo the... Fi- Anyways, well, who cares? Uh, Mandy Rose of it's Toxic... It's more funny when it happens to Cody. Mandy Rose of Toxic Attraction makes her entrance wearing red and black attire along with some wings tonight. I really hate her ring attire. It looks so stupid. And she's got, like, these strap things, like, around her, her thighs yes. to make her butt look better. Or like, just, I don't know, to showcase. No, she does I, have it, pretty jacked legs. It definitely i can just the butt tell, enhancement it's, it's definitely like just to like make her butt like it, and that her ring attire it's not a ring attire it's clearly like uh joe Gacy said like it's or it's like it's literally just like it's about looks which is it another is. reason you're saying why kaylee did, ray will how not dare you she just cut a promo telling me it's not about looks anymore so are it, you saying that she was mistaken I, that is she, exactly what I'm saying. I don't know if it was a promo. Oh, no, it was the... I put it in the news last week, right? Right. And talked to you about yeah, it. Yeah, it's literally like she's got those things to make her butt look better. She's like, she's like wearing this weird, like, tie-ass red thing on her yep. torso. And then, like... I also think it's weird she's not wearing knee pads, which I just think is... But, like, I don't know. It's clearly about looks. So, it is obviously about looks. So her title match is up next. 
Nope, it's back to the Halloween party <laughs> like, instead. Up next. Oh, what are we going to get before Never it? up next. So Tony D'Angelo now walks up to Lash LaRue, slash whatever. Lash LaRue. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Lash LaRue forever. Lash Legend, right? Yeah. Got it. Nailed it. Got it in one. Got it. Um, so he tries to bribe her to get on her show. So Bribes her with the, the producer. A, why does he want to get on her show? B, why does it require a bribe? Anyways, it's fine. Yes. It's fine. Her, her, her show is a flaming hot pile of garbage, so I don't know why he right? wants to be on it. But apparently she's got lineups for guests because you got to pay to get a spot on her. Anyways. Does she? She, she accepts the money and having him but says that he better not disappoint her. We then he see disappoints me every time he wrestles, best so. buds, Kyle O'Reilly with his mentor, oh. Von Wagner. No. Doesn't that mentor. seem mentor? Doesn't that seem how it is though? I mean from last week. Right? Oh, that's so depressing. I'm not saying that accidentally, I'm saying that ah. intentionally. That Von Wagner is showing Kyle O'Reilly after Kyle O'Reilly said that he wanted to go it alone when who was it, Bobby Fish approached him? before and was like hey man i so got what? your back he turned down bobby right. fish his tag team partner right. since the beginning of time and he's now going to tag team because he wanted Von to go it alone wagner not because he was looking for another partner but no. because he wanted to handle things on his own no wait i figured it out von wagner's big so von that is von wagner is bigger than bobby fish and, so there you go and I think Bobby Fish is a little too conventional sometimes. Von Wagner is pretty unconventional, so. So Jensen comes up and asks who Von is, and Von says he's Brad Pitt. I guess <laughs> I that's funny. I thought he was saying like who who is Von? Because like who who, who knows are who you? He yeah, but is. who are you supposed to be? I guess in costume. Duke Hudson's there. He asks Cameron if he still has his money, and Grimes says yes. So all right. Grimes gets to do something stupid in, next in the week, casino, too. In the poker room. Yeah. Robert Stone, dressed Cameron as Grimes, Elvis, come on is not happy that Zion Quinn stepped on his shoes, and he tries to say he knows some kung fu. He, but Zion, he was talking like an idiot. I guess it was like an Elvis impression, but it was really stupid. So Zion says another one bites the dust, which is a reference to not Elvis. No, because he was dressed as Freddie, Freddie Mercury. Mercury. I thought he was dressed as Elvis. No, no, he, no Robert Stone was Elvis. Yeah. Oh, and, and Zion, Zion was Freddie Quinn Mercury? Said, he said he was Freddie Mercury. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes more sense. So he chokes... The, I didn't even notice that. He chokes Slam Stone through the table. I know he said it, but then I was like, oh. is he thinking that Stone's oh. dressed up as Freddie Mercury? Oh, okay, he's not. okay, okay. That's what I was thinking. Anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, what did you think of this? Another pile of nonsensical crap. I cannot fathom for the life of me what or who this is for and why this exists. It gets everyone on TV, brother, and fills time. It yeah but that's it oh uh, well i guess we gotta um, get like a three-man match next week zion quinn versus rubber stone yes. yep i think so so another pointless segment it has very strong swingers palace wrestle house vibes to me in the most worst possible way yeah. so nothing of consequence happened here it's not even a fun distraction like there's nothing that made me chuckle like even some of the way segments that we hated there They're, was a couple their, things that made their, me laugh they had right? their little spots right so as much anyways, as it was too much raquel gonzalez is arriving on a motorcycle raquel. and she, she rides it right into the ring basically and i my notes say this is how she'll debut on main roster shortly possibly <laughs> um chucky appears on the screen oh. saying let's go for a spin so raquel gonzalez spins the wheel to find out the stipulation Does that mean she gets the mental edge and momentum and my favorite thing about this wheel is that it spins really fast and then just basically stops on the spot that it's supposed I, to stop on. I wonder. So I've always been curious. So they obviously would have to gimmick it or something, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. How would... 
do, how do you think they would go about doing that? Magnets. I don't know. Like, I, somebody I'm behind it just stopping like, it. Who knows? Or, yeah, or, like, wouldn't someone see that? But I, I was thinking, like, I don't know how they would do it, but, like, they got, like, maybe, like, a weight or, like, maybe, yeah, like, a magnet on the on one of the options and it's like opposite the one that they want so that like the bottom is like far too much thought and then and then like probably just someone standing behind it and then like the top so that the top the the one on the top is the one they want because the it involves a satellite orbiting the earth yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh so the wheel lands on chucky's choice thankfully and chucky calls for a trick-or-street fight why can't you just land on trick or street fight simply a no dq with the pin or submission only allowed in the ring right so they also have devil's playground or they did last year at least so it's essentially devil's playground but you can only pin them in the ring so yeah it's there's a street fight so two things i noticed that the wheel stops really fast when it's been spinning without slowing down and second of all they had the graphic ready for this random stipulation the second the wheel stopped spinning. That's strange. That That's is... some amazing work by their production team. I think, right? like, yeah, they're just so... They're either, like, they got insane, like, reflexes, or they, like, it's like real sports. It's they, just good work. They got to, like... <laughs> They got a plan for either scenario. They had all the stipulations <laughs> yes. ready, and their yes. fingers were over top of yes, all of yes. them. And then they just poked the one. Yeah, right. probably. Or like... Um... Or they had it tied right into the wheel. <laughs> so that satellite is then bouncing what the choice was straight into the graph. No, I'm thinking... So High-tech they, stuff. If, if, if they have every stipulation programmed, right. So they would have like a... Um, uh a, like a, a little thing for chucky for him talking about every stipulation and then for chucky's choice they have a thing of him choosing and any of the stipulations even though they wouldn't have to do that like they just filmed like a bunch <laughs> just of chucky for fun. just to get chucky on tv more <laughs> right like they just filmed like i mean we know he's gonna choose a trick or street fight but what if he were to choose like a coal miners glove match who knows a biker chain thing those have nothing to do with halloween or, so you can't I think they were on there. I'm pretty were sure they? one of them was. Or some, a coal miner's glove on a pole or they something. just ran out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, or a lumberjack-o-lantern match. So we get a ah, trick ah. or a street fight with Raquel Gonzalez defending the NXT Women's Championship against Mandy Rose of Toxic Attraction. Gonzalez dominates right away with clubbing blows and an Irish whip. Mandy then fights back with a jawbreaker and some kicks. Rose hits a suplex. Or she, sorry, she tries to, but it's blocked and countered into a corner splash. We get a kendo stick attack on the floor by Rose. Raquel battles back, sends Rose into the barricade outside. Uh, She then misses a boot and gets caught at the ring post outside, and Rose takes advantage, heading into a commercial break. Gonzalez drags Rose out of the ring onto the floor and attacks Mandy with a kendo stick of her own. We get an announced chair shoved into Gonzalez's stomach, and then she's seated in the chair and trapped with a kendo stick, basically as a seatbelt. And as you pointed out in the moment, she could have easily just pulled the kendo stick out. Right, and but like, she struggled against and it, it instead. It did nothing. Like she just like what? What was it? She like kicked her in the chair. She gave her a boot, and then the chair tips over. Yeah, like, on the floor, which what? is a decent enough spot, but. Gons doesn't look too smart. No, Gons looks dumb. And then also, what extra damage are you dealing here? Like, it's not like she had, like, it's not like the chair fell off, like, a ladder or something. Listen, innovative offense. Innovation, okay? How dare you? How is it innovative? This is Mandy Rose. Oh, yeah. She is. The great, God's greatest wrestler. That's right. Anyways, we get Mandy Rose in a like a Jason hockey mask with a fire extinguisher. No, it was Raquel Gonzalez, actually. Oh, sorry. It was Gonzalez. Uh, with the mask and fire extinguisher, so she shoots that into Rose's face. Rose is rolled back into the ring after that, and we get a snake eyes on some chairs in the corner. 
Gonzalez misses a boot, but follows Rose to the floor and hits the boot after all. Gonzalez then gets the steps out, um, puts them on the ring apron. Then they head back in the ring, and Mandy greets her with a boot, and then sort of sends her headfirst into the steps. Which the... didn't look too great, uh, no. honestly. It was kind of stupid. Cause... And just the fact that she put them on the apron, and then three seconds later gets run into them, right? Like, I don't know, she it's wasn't like expecting table, okay? an attack when she got back in the ring? It's like a table, okay? So all whenever you're in a match, and there's, like, tables allowed... Always make sure your opponent is the one to set up the table. That's right, because then they're going through it every right, time. Right, every time. Uh, and, near- and it's a good thing there was no tables, because as we know, Mandy Rose is terrible tables. No, she doesn't do well. I will never forget that. So Rose gets a near fall after some boots to Gonzalez, and then a backdrop by Gonzalez uh, to escape a suplex, and she spears Rose through a table that had been set up in the corner for two. Uh, and then we get a mysterious oh my God, a table. robed figure arrives and hits Gonzalez with something. Yeah, it's the person from the... Um, the, the grave the, digging, whatever. The packages, yeah. Yeah, and Mandy, who I thought was Ember Moon, but it's not. Mandy hits her high knee for the win Which and becomes the never very NXT Women's Champion in about 13 minutes. Toxic Attraction celebrate on the ramp with all the gold. And <laughs> Such the, a disgusting visual. And the hooded figure pulls off her hood and it's Ooh. gasp, Dakota Kai. I'm pretty happy with that. I'm a big fan of Dakota Kai, but anyways, go ahead. Talk about this match. This was honestly just okay. I want to say it was bad, but I don't think it was bad. It was I, just... I chose the word, word fine. <laughs> yeah, it was just okay. I could do that too. Um, Either of those works. Okay or fine. A mediocre match, another word you could use, especially by no no DQ match standards. Right. Like this is just really like meh. standard no DQ stuff. Yeah, the result does not surprise me whatsoever, but it does piss me off. One of my least favorite things on this crappy, crappy show, Toxic Attraction, now has all the gold, which necess which would assumes assumedly necessitate more screen time than the too much I screen don't know time if they than they could already get gotten. More. Honestly. I exactly, but I think they would have to. Maybe, Maybe the, just like half the show's dedicated to them now. It is. I'm kind of happy to see Dakota Kai now. Um, but I wish she had helped Gonzalez retain because if I were her, I would want another chance to be Gonzalez for the title. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I agree. Instead of just like feuding with her for no reason. And I'm afraid like she doesn't exactly fit in here anymore either because right. she's no. good she's good and she's a veteran so where are you gonna go that's true so i thought this match was fine but again not a lot of wrestling happening here it's kendo sticks um steps and a table all pretty standard no dq stuff another win that isn't clean right and another title change because uh it gonzalez basically was distracted and there was a shot taken so not a clean win pretty standard no dq match i guess it's better than what we usually get on the show but not by a ton um, I am glad to see Dakota Kai back. She's one of my absolute favorites. I think she's awesome, but it's kind of a silly way for her to return. I thought, I don't know. She would also she needed be someone vignettes I... for weeks just to show up and do this. Right. Like, she would also be someone that I would want to go to AEW because she could definitely help yep. out that division. And are two veterans even allowed to feud? Because this is looking like Kai <laughs> Gonzalez. Is that even legal? Oh, I don't know. Well, I mean, Mandy and How does that Raquel are both veterans. They so. need to quickly split up and take on some youngster, I would imagine. Yeah, Um. so I'm thinking um, Kai versus Persia Parada. Yeah. And uh, Raquel Gonzalez versus... Um, Cora Jade. Cora yeah, Cora Jade. Or Delu. I was thinking Amari Miller. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Lash LaRue gets her 
debut in ring <laughs> anyways carmelo and trick are moving their way through the haunted house oh. next and it actually is next so kudos to nxt for doing something kudos well here to uh, the, to understanding what next right. is the bar is that low <laughs> they understand the word next good show quality stuff <laughs> so carmelo and trick make their long sorry their way through the house and look at old black and white photos saying that she's fine, obviously, because it's all about how hot women are on NXT 2.0. I think that's their catchphrase. Um, and sorry about one of the women in the picture. So they continue through and come to a table where a creepy group are there having dinner. So they run past them and Hayes tells Trick he needs him uh, to lock it in for him. Trick says he's got it locked and a witch shows up saying, welcome to the ball. They walk into a room with a bunch of mannequins in, like, old-style dress. Some of them aren't mannequins, though, and they start moving and being creepy. Mello and Trick keep running, and Mello says someone is chasing them. Did someone say Andre Chase? And he's there. He's got his students for a field trip, Which but that he may can't be the dumbest them. sentence I've ever heard. He's taking them on a field trip to Dexter Loomis' right. house. And then he can't like, find any of them. What what kind of field trip is that? So I like them trying to insert some humor here, but I don't know if it really hit. Hayes and Williams then convince Chase because he's now with them and he's going to go first. And Gargano and Loomis head off to get them as the zombie ref stays behind. Chase, Hayes, and Trick see Loomis in a reflection, but of course he's quickly gone when they turn around. He's disappeared. They find a dead body, and then zombies attack Chase. Are we meant to believe that Loomis is, in fact, a murderer? Like, he teased at the wedding? Could be. Hayes and Trick get split up, and Loomis just shows up behind Trick Williams. Trick runs off, eventually finds a creepy guy in a mask. Hayes comes up from behind and gets hit, and then they run off. Hayes and Trick eventually find the title that felt that they've been looking for. It's just, like, on a table or something? Just sitting there. But Trick says it's too easy to just grab it. And Mello says, you think that was easy? He grabs the title, they prepare to leave, and Loomis and Gargano take this time to attack. Hayes and Trick run outside and have to fight off some zombies, and Loomis and Gargano are there, and Gargano says, boo. They run off, meaning the two heels, and Gargano says Loomis's house is kind of weird, and that next year Halloween is at Gargano's house, and Loomis gives him a thumbs up, and this mercifully ends. So, but, like, I mean, that wasn't exactly hard. Like, I guess, it, I mean, it, it kind of was easy. You just walk through a house. Walk through the house, avoid scary stuff, grab the belt, and leave. You're good. Yeah. Amazing. pretty easy. Uh, this is so stupid. I can't even see a kid liking this because it was so stupid. I mean, I assume it's geared towards kids because who else is this dumb-minded to enjoy this? It made your new North American champion look like a child in a haunted house when any normal adult would have been fine. What a great star for Kamala's is. This is turning out to be his greatest swerves reign. And, again, why would we root for Gargano and Loomis here? They essentially invited Hayes and Trick to Loomis' house to mess with them and eventually give back the thing they stole. So why would we root for them? Hayes hasn't been that, like... Good point. He hasn't even... Hayes hasn't even built, been built up as this obnoxious of a heel yet. So it's not even like this is comeuppance. It's just messing with him for the sake of messing with him. Um, it was just a meaningless haunted house walkthrough. And, like, this was just stupid. So my thoughts at the end, just going off my notes. That's it? They just grab the belt and leave, basically. No attempt at a match or any fighting or anything. Just two guys walking through a house of creepy stuff, then leaving. A giant waste of considerable amount of time. I honestly had trouble paying attention to this by the end. It was kind of pointless. Nothing exciting. Nothing funny. No advancement of any stories, as far as I can tell. Just a big miss with these segments for me overall. Yep. 
Grayson Waller is in the ring dancing. He says the party is on tonight and he's the star of the show. He says it's time to jump on the bandwagon and tells a production person to put his social media handles on the screen. He lists then his social media stuff and LA Knight's music plays. Hooray. Knight comes down in the exact same outfit as Waller and tells him to take his discount version back to the store. Waller says he saved the show and it's not his fault Knight had car problems because we're stealing things from children's television shows. Knight asks how Waller knows he had car problems. Oh, how clever. What a clever reveal. Like car problems? Like was he actually locked in a trunk? And Waller blames Chucky. In the middle of this, Solo... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are you blaming my boy Chucky? Uh, Chucky's evil. Makes sense. In the middle of this, Solo Sokoa's music plays and he comes out. Waller says it's not about them, it's about Solo. Knight shoves Waller into Solo, who takes him down and gives him a belly-to-belly over the ropes. Knight wisely escapes and Solo stands tall in the ring, looking like the last Uso brother. Go ahead. And he yes, is. he is. Yes. He, he does look a lot like them. I think he looks more like Jay. He is but... one. Yep, he he definitely is just with blonde hair. Um, this was fine, but we did not need this. If Waller was going to host anyways, he should have just beaten Knight last week. And a squash match would have been much better for Sokoa anyways. Like, this was just... Like, this did nothing for him, really. No. Um, But if he does turn out well in the next, like, few months or so, I think it'd be really cool for him to be the Bloodlines mid-card guy. Cause I could see that happening. They need... They don't... They It's just, like, Roman and then the tag champs, Or right? Roman so. has an issue with one of the Usos and, like kicks them out and replaces them has an extra uso just waiting on the bench right. kind of I, I don't know i think the usos need to stay the usos forever so sokoa certainly looks like an uso i guess this was a fine introduction i don't know yet you, you know they love them noies but it's one more person that we need to figure out on this show of all new people and i'm just wondering what belt he can have in three weeks right where's he gonna be positioned uh, north american hayes had too big a run yeah, that's Hayes was fair. there for NXT 1.0, so I'm not surprised right. he still that's counts. Right, that's true, that's true, that's true. Um, he could win the tag titles um, because that's true. Imperium, are they've been around for a while. Yep. Um, oh, well. Braun could, Breaker's backstage. He could backstage. win a title because who cares? Braun Breaker's working out and Chucky's there, obviously. MSK then make their entrance. Oh, is that a WCW callback? MSK are coming in from the DJ booth because they're hip, cool young guys, so they're hanging out <laughs> with the DJ. And Zion Quinn, we get a vignette with him slamming people and posing. Cool, yes. I guess. And we get the NXT Tag Team Championship match with MSK taking on Imperium. And Chucky speaks, and that's great. He wants the wheel to be spun, and some kid who won a contest or something gets to spin the wheel, and it lands on... So lo- he will have a mental edge over all, all the wrestlers. He, so he may be champion by next week. <laughs> it lands on lumberjack o lantern match, and it's basically just a Lumberjack match. Right, so it's basically just a normal tag match. It's just no brawling on the outside. Not a lot of involvement by the Lumberjacks either. Yeah, right? I, that, that, I'll talk Which about that with. after. Okay. Uh, Eichner controls Carter early on and Bartel tags in with some arm work. Carter then with a trip and a basement drop kick. Uh, Wesley's in with a senton, but a Bartel slap and an uppercut followed by a PK, meaning penalty kick. Get the heels the advantage here. Lee is tossed over the rope, but he skins the cat and hits a drop kick that sends Bartel to the floor. The Lumberjacks then obviously attack, and MSK dive onto the crowd on the floor as the Lumberjacks are beating on Bartel. We get a butterfly suplex later on by Bartel. A hot tag to Lee, and he takes out both Imperium uh, with kicks, leading to tumbling kicks for Bart- to Bartel for a near fall. 
Bartel tags out, Eichner dominates MSK, including squatting with both of them on his shoulders and then hitting a roll through slam to both. Eichner is an absolute powerhouse for sure. Beast. Wesley dives over the post, misses Bartel, but lands over the Lumberjacks on the outside. Carter then hits a pretty weak-looking cutter to Bartel off the top onto the Lumberjacks onto the on the floor. All four in the ring with kicks, corner offense, and then big clotheslines by Imperium. A destroyer off the second rope by Carter looked pretty good, and the hot fire flame to Bartel for a two count. Carter tags in Lee, sets Bartel up, but Eichner shoves Carter over. Spinebuster to Carter and a kick to the jaw. Kick to Lee, who's thrown into Eichner for a brainbuster. Imperial bomb, and we have new champs after, I think it was about 13 minutes in this match. What did you think of this? Um, I actually, um, I kind of liked it. I thought it was pretty enjoyable. Me too. Um, it didn't start out too hot, and I wasn't super invested, um, but I got into it towards the end, ironically, after all the lumberjacks were gone, and I thought the entrance was pretty good, which brings me to my main complaint was that the stipulation's kind of lame. I've never really enjoyed lumberjack me matches, either. and it ultimately didn't matter, as they didn't do much, and then they were gone by the end of the match, right? right? Um, Imperium's last room was utterly forgettable, so hopefully yes, they was. can do better the next time, although... I have I have little hope for NXT 2.0, and I don't know if I'll be talking about it though, because I'm not sure how if I'm gonna want. to. They're just holding it. the titles for Jensen and Briggs, I assume. Yeah, that that's true. So I don't know. <laughs> we'll see about next week. This was a pretty fun match. I, I enjoyed it. the finishing yep. sequence, especially. They didn't overdo the lumberjack stuff. Maybe underdid it for you. And there was at least a clean finish, right? And which doesn't happen that often anymore. Imperium looked really good. They have some nice tandem offense they've developed over the last couple years or whatever and i think that putting the titles on them is the right move here msk are fine but their title run has been pretty uneventful for me like i don't feel like they're elevating the belts and the belts aren't elevating them so they need to go to somebody else right, at and that they've point. been reigning for a while yep. i think since and it hasn't done stand anything and deliver i want to say at the very least yep and with imperium because they're here now what do you do for Walter? Because he, he just lost the title in the UK, so I'm not sure what if he's going back there anytime soon. And there's no way in hell he fits in here. No. And I don't think he'll want he'll to go to the UK. main roster. So like, I think I he'll know. just stay in UK. Yeah. Uh, this was a fun match. Felt like a breath of fresh air on these shows, right? A yeah. match actually involving four established, experienced wrestlers. And, and it's it not being terrible. And it was given some time. So weird how that works. Yep. Uh, Chucky, thank goodness, is standing by. He introduces the NXT I think championship. we've been too long without Chucky. We have. He introduces the championship match and says some other stuff I couldn't be bothered to pay attention to or write down. I think he did Breaker, though, because... Um, oh, did he? Yeah, because that's it. Because he said something about... A, a Steiner reference or yes, something? Yeah, Steiner. I forget what it was. Uh, we then get a vignette hyping up this main event match and how Champa won the title and became the face of NXT 2.0, I wish. Uh, he wondered... If only that were true. He then wondered who had the balls to challenge him and Breaker stepped up. Breaker can't outsmart Champa, but he's explosive and aggressive and 250-pound genetic His balls freak. Are explosive? Sounding nah. just like Uncle Scott. And Champa, Champa? Champa says he'll take Breaker into Champa. deep water and drown him, which is one of his standard I, I lines. I hope he would drown him. That'd be kind of nice. So we move into the main event, which is the NXT Championship match. Braun Breaker versus Tommaso Champa. And Champa comes out in gladiator style entrance gear and it's face paint. It's something from God of War. If you say so. But I'm pretty sure it's inaccurate because I think I've seen the character before. He's supposed to have red paint and whatnot. Steve right. Grayson, I think. Did a better did job. Did it better. I mean, this one looks a little cooler, I guess, because he had better entrance gear. But I think Grayson's is technically more accurate. Nice. At least I've heard. 
I don't actually know. Me either. We get a leapfrog, leapfrog by Champa before a shoulder tackle by Braun, and Champa escapes to the floor. Another shoulder tackle, and Breaker manhandles Champa, slams him repeatedly. We get a knee to the stomach and body scissors by Champa. Breaker catches Champa out of midair and slams him. We get no picture in picture, but Champa's in control after the break with stomps in the corner and a running boot. Champa has a waist lock, but a breaker back elbow, boot, and belly to belly sort of turn the tide now. Breaker slips off the second rope, and Jack laughs. laughs. That was really funny. He just kind he's, of fell. He's right? going for a dive. He just kind of sleds and landed on his stomach. I he did make a note of that too. And I, I thought it was really funny because I don't like him. So good for him there. We got a strike exchange and another breaker shoulder tackle, and Champa heads to the floor. Breaker he rolls. He loves him. a good shoulder tackle. Breaker rolls him back in. Champa hits the Willows Bell for a two count. Boots and strikes to a kneeling breaker. High knee for, by Champa for a one count only. Sudden hurricane rana butterfly, sla- butterfly side slam for two by breaker. I didn't like that. It didn't look super impactful. That was okay. The press slams countered by Champa into a reverse DDT. We get a barrage of strikes by Champa and he tries to drag breaker out, but breaker shoves Champa into the announce table. Champa DDT's brawn on the floor. The mats have been pulled back, so it was right on the concrete. We get a fairy tale ending for two as Breaker is slightly bleeding at this point. Three running knees to Breaker's head and another fairy tale ending. And Champa does win and retain the NXT championship. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm just glad Braun Breaker didn't win. Um, I thought this was a fine match. It wasn't necessarily bad, but it wasn't that good. And I wasn't very into it. I mean, I was never going to be super interested from the start, but it didn't really like hold my interest. Right. I never really like. I wasn't super interested in the tag match, but that at least kind of got me into it. Right. Towards the end. Um, I'm just thankful Breaker didn't win with all the garbage title wins that have already occurred. Um, not not Imperium. I'm actually kind of happy with that one. I'm fine with that. Um, fine match, not great, not anything really. It was about 14 minutes. I enjoyed this match, and I was pleasantly surprised to see Champa retain because I thought there was a bit, maybe a bit better than 50-50 that Braun would win here. And I thought Braun looked really strong in defeat, but not too strong. Right? He proved he can hang with the champ. But he still has something to learn before he can beat him. Um, he definitely held his own, and it took a like a, a DD- little bit. It took a DDT on the concrete, two finishers, and a bunch of running knees, right, for he him didn't to hold stay his down. Own on the middle row, Pat. So Champa got a tough but clean win, and I thought the youngster Braun Breaker looked pretty good here and gained valuable experience. I thought this was a good main event, especially by a recent uh, NXT 2.0 standards. And overall thoughts on this show and a grade. Um, yeah, so I thought it was another pretty trash show for NXT 2.0, actually. First half of the show at least had no redeeming qualities. It was really just a slog. I did not like it at all. The opener was a mess, and so was the haunted house, and the party nonsense. They were both pointless and awful. A couple of pointless short matches were also to be found in Gacy versus Malik Blade and Jones versus Strong, which didn't really help or hurt the show. Um, the women's time match is the definition of meh. Another angering result. Toxic attractions suck, but WWE is dumb, so I'm not surprised. Kind of happy to see Kai back, but mixed feelings because she doesn't really belong anymore. Right. Uh, more Haunted House was also garbage. Sokoa's debut is Mac because, like, it didn't really make him look super good. Like, good for you. You hit one move on Grayson Waller. Uh, the tag time match was the only highlight for me, and the main event was just okay. Another bad show in general. I'll give it a D- because of the tag match. I liked it. Yeah. And everything else is blech. A lot of crap, one good match. I I might be done because this was, this was like the one I was gonna hold out. Till. And we love this show last and, year. Right. Um. Yeah, it was pretty good. And this is the show I was holding out till, and it was just not really good. 
and I don't know if I really want to watch and or review a show with Toxic Attraction having all the titles. <laughs> That's a really big, like, yeah. going away thing for me. So, I don't know. We'll see. We also have to find a good replacement. Right. Uh, so, this, to me, really felt like the show that rebooted NXT almost entirely. It's like they wanted to put all the titles on new people right away, but realized they had to wait for a reasonable opportunity and that Halloween Havoc sort of became that opportunity, right? Like right. it felt like right from jump, they wanted Toxic Attraction to have gold, right? That's what it, right, I've been saying they, that they were on TV way too much. Constantly. Um, so we basically got all new champions except for Champa and Toxic Attraction have all the gold as sort well, of And I then expected. obviously the titles that weren't changed hands, but even then... um. Those tiles have already changed hands on the show because right. right, Strong did beat uh, Kushida right. on this show, and then, and then Hayes won the title. It was last no two weeks ago. So in ring, this episode was better than the usual NXT offering lately. I enjoyed the main oh, event. I don't even know if I could say that. I could. I enjoyed the main event and the tag team championship matches quite a bit. On the flip side, the women's tag ladder match and the women's championship match were just okay. I thought, despite some cool spots, mostly with Io. Then we got another Gacy squash and a mediocre match with Strong needing help to beat Odyssey Jones. Uh, the segments were pretty bad. I include every use of Chucky in that evaluation. The Loomis, Gargano, Hayes, Trick, Williams, Haunted House stuff was really pointless and not entertaining at all. Waller was fine in his role, but the party segments were seemingly had no point and were just there to fill time and get people on the show. The Kai reveal was underwhelming to me. It made her seem kind of silly. And the only thing is at least Kaylee Ray got back on this show and maybe we'll start doing something. So basically, we got two good matches, the return of Dakota Kai and not much else. Better than the usual 2.0 episodes, but still not very good, I don't think. So especially when I think, like I said, I think back to last year's Halloween Havoc, which we really enjoyed, right? So yeah. I mean, other show, than hosting. For but... me, because of those two matches I liked, it's moving out of the D range this week, but only slightly. So I gave it a C-. A Canadian C minus, which is about a six out of ten, so not a strong show for me. Uh, I still plan on watching it next week. I don't know if you're going to or not, but I might at least watch it. But I don't know if I want to talk about it. Really? Okay. I don't know. We'll it's, see. I feel or like maybe I'm... just don't even take notes and just talk off the top of your head. No I feel pun like intended. I'm, I feel like I'm gonna have to like just because like you'll be watching it or and like you'll we, feel like we, you have to watch or, it and like or we just like it's like routine. So I'm just yes. gonna have to make myself suffer for like yeah months build character we'll see yeah we'll see um so let's move into something hopefully Punch a little more brain. fun and that is our trivia segment that we call off the top of his head and we're gonna keep on this nxt bandwagon because i've got nxt trivia okay today I, was, I thought it was gonna be halloween havoc trivia no uh all right you ready or so I don't know, it's around 25 questions some of them have options some of them don't depending on how difficult i thought they were so which american heavy metal band opened nxt takeover brooklyn three and you could have skillet? options you want options who skillet no mm. you want options sure Metallica, Pantera, Guns N' Roses, Code Orange. Code Orange. <laughs> right, really easy. Because that's what... Um... That was the Fiends theme. Oh, right. And Aleister so... Black, too, didn't oh. he? Oh. That's probably what it was. Yeah, probably. Look at me knowing stuff. Sanity faced Ty Dillinger, Roderick Strong, Ruby Riot, and which other NXT superstar in the opening match of NXT TakeOver Orlando? That was Ono, yeah. It was Ono. Very good. NXT TakeOver Toronto was held the night before which WWE pay-per-view? Survivor Series. Correct. Which NXT superstar did Austin Aries face in the opening match of NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2? 
Opening match, Austin Aries. I have options if you would like them. Yeah. Tyler Breeze, No Way Jose, Hideo Itami, Elias Sampson. I was going to say No Way Jose, so I'm thinking No Way It Jose. is No Way Jose. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say that because I was... I, I think he faced Corbin once, but I Corbin was gone by then. Right. So Takeover Brooklyn two. I was I was I was gonna say no Jose, but I just wanted to double check. Which NXT diva did Dana Brooke face at NXT Takeover? A respect. I have options if you. Yeah, like. I'll take options. Emma, Asuka, Carmella, Nia Jax. I'm thinking. Um, I want to say Emma, but yeah, I'll go with Emma. Asuka. Oh my! I was gonna go with Nia Jax, but I was like, no, Emma. Who was the first NXT Women's Champion? Paige. Easy. Which NXT superstar announced his retirement from wrestling in the NXT TakeOver 2 Our Evolution pre-show? Tyson Kidd. No. Really? No. Mm. I don't have names for you, but I can give you a hint if you'd like it. He was before you were watching NXT and I was watching it. Think of an announcer. Commentator. William Regal. No. On the main roster. Who used to be really good and now... No, Corey Graves. Come on, man. Oh, yeah. Which match was the first to be contested at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3? Some would say the greatest match ever. Oh, Gargano Almas. Correct. Well, not that one specifically. uh, just, uh, Just to give you the hint, though. Which NXT superstar returned from injury to confront Austin Aries at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2? Returned from injury. Ty Dillinger? No. Apollo Crews? No. No, 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 he wasn't. I have options if you'd like them. Uh, Sounds like you need them. Itami, Elias, Mojo, Blake. Hideo Itami. Correct. With his nasty scar, remember? (laughs) When he came back (laughs) on his shoulder? Yes. Which tag team won the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic at NXT TakeOver? Respect. Uh, Balor and Samojo. Correct. This wrestler had a massively successful debut at NXT TakeOver Dallas, defeating Sami Zayn. Shinsuke Nakamura. Correct. Which former holder of the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship made his NXT debut at NXT TakeOver 3, R Evolution? Former ROH champion debuting in NXT. Kevin Owens. Correct. Kevin Steen, I'll take it. Which NXT male wrestler won the 2016 NXT Male Superstar of the Year at NXT TakeOver San Antonio? Finn Balor? No. That was one of the options. Nah, Samojo. No, that Nakamura. was one of the options. Sorry? Nakamura? Correct. Okay, I was gonna, I thought it would be Balor because I know he was champ a bit. You're turning away from your microphone, which means that we cannot really hear you. What was historic about the main event of NXT TakeOver Respect? As the women's Iron Man match. Which was what? The first time. Sasha Banks. But the first time what? Women did that. Women main evented a pay-per-view. Oh, I thought it would be women in an Iron Man match. Um, Sasha Banks challenged NXT Women's Champion Bayley to a rematch at NXT TakeOver Respect. In what type of match? An Iron Woman match. (laughs) Yes, you just said that. Who did NXT Tag Team Champions The Revival face at NXT TakeOver Dallas? American Alpha. Correct. Good. That was a good one. Who defeated... This one's a little tougher. Who defeated the Ascension to win the NXT Tag Team Championship at NXT TakeOver 2 Fatal 4-Way? Lucha Dragons. Good. I would not have gotten that one. What kind of gimmick match was the NXT Tag Team Championship contested under at TakeOver Orlando? Three-Way. Kind of. A little bit more. Triple Threat. Three-Way Tag. Yeah. Triple Threat what? Tag team. Nope. Elimination? There, yes. There you go. 
Uh, what former NXT superstar became the first to win both the NXT Championship and the WWE World Heavyweight Championship? Like, by WWE World Heavyweight Championship, do you mean, like, the WWE Championship or the World Heavyweight Championship? I don't know. You tell me. Pick a name, and I'll tell you if you're right. Seth Rollins? Correct. Okay, because they used to call the... Remember when they unified the WWE title and the World Heavyweight title? And then, yep. like, from, like, that point to, like, 2016, it was the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, right. so I was... Just trying You're to right, no it. matter what. Which NXT tag team won the 2016 Dux- Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic at NXT TakeOver Toronto? AOP? Correct. Yeah. Who defeated Adrian Neville to win the NXT Championship at TakeOver Our Evolution? Sami Zayn. Correct. Which NXT superstar did Sami Zayn face in the opening match at NXT Arrival? Cesaro. Yes, very good. I, th- I thought you'd need the choices for that one. The Authors of Pain defended their NXT Tag Team Championship against who at TakeOver Brooklyn 3? I have options. Authors um, of Pain. Sanity? Take o- yes, very good. And it's funny, one of the choices oh, I'd forgotten. and for- they won. One of my choices I'd forgotten all about was TM61. Yeah, they, that's who they beat in the Dusty Finals. Right. Which former holder of the TNA World Heavyweight Championship did Andrade Almas face at TakeOver Brooklyn 2? I have options if you'd like them. Former TNA. Aries? No. no, wait. No, he was facing Noe Jose. Um, Bobby Roode? Correct. I was going to say Canadian. I was going to say Bobby Roode, but I didn't. Good Canadian boy. Because I, I didn't know if Andrade was heel, so I didn't know if that would work. Final question, so you know what that means. I'm trying to stump you because I sure didn't know this one. So let's see. Who did the Ascension defend their NXT Tag Team Championship against at NXT TakeOver? So Arrival was the first show, right? Then TakeOver was the next show. Who did they defend against? And you're not supposed to get this one. So good luck to you. Do I have options? No, no options. How's that fair? Because <laughs> it's my game. And I don't want you to know the last question. <laughs> That's not fair. Um... I don't even remember the one wrestler, to be honest, if that helps you. Neville and Oliver Gray? No. Oliver Gray. <laughs> nice try. Um... That's a great guess, I feel like. Those French guys? So I'll even give you the one name if you want. Uh-huh. Callisto and... Luchasaurus? No. Like pre-Luchasaurus Luchasaurus? Uh, uh, what was his name? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it was, but uh... you're never going to get it. Should I just tell you? Yeah. You don't know anything. It's El Locale. So I was like, I don't even know who that is, so he won't either. That's not fair. nailed it. That brings us to the end of our trivia segment. Off the top of his head, we'll move back into talking about some wrestling that I think it's safe to say we enjoyed a lot more than NXT. That's kind of by default. And that is this week's offering of AEW Dynamite. Right, and we are back on Wednesdays this week. Yes, so thankfully. Fits which, our schedule it's better. It's funny, we didn't even watch it on Wednesday this week. No, we waited a bit. We yeah, didn't we get watched around. it yesterday and today, I right. think it was. Um, or yesterday and... The day before. The day before, that's yes, what I meant. that's right. Um, So we opened the show with CM Punk versus Bob. I can Fish. drink coffee and I'm gonna. You go ahead. Okay. Um, It was kind of a methodically paced match, but it was, it was good. It was. Not in a bad way. It's kind of in Bobby Fish's... New, yeah, style. his style, right? Yes. I agree. Um, notables, there was a lot early back and forth, some corner midsection knees by Fish, like kind of alternating legs. And then uh, Punk turns it around and does the same. Uh, Fish gets shoulder tackled, and then he does like the drop-down leapfrog thing. But Punk stays behind him after the leapfrog, and then he hits a body slam when Fish turns around. 
and then another body slam for a one count by Punk, which they don't body slam every match. So this is not. It's only a drink. Take a drink. Game. It's only a drinking <laughs> game for NXT. Okay. Because they they do it like every time. They do. Um, strikes to ground Punk by Fish, and then Topia Tomko by Fish, where like he kind of jumps out to the apron and then jumps back in. Uh, snap suplex for two by Fish. Uh, Fish applies a sleeper hold, but Punk is ev- eventually able to fight out, and he clotheslines Fish out of the ring, followed by a suicide dive, which. Um, his legs almost tripped on the ropes. Yes, much like J.C. Jane when she <laughs> took herself out there. I'm surprised she didn't wear an, or- an orbital mask or whatever. Right. Because, I mean, they did it for, like, a fake angle. Yes. Uh, Punk kicks out Punk's... Or Fish pick, kicks out <laughs> Punk's leg uh, while Punk is standing on the apron. Uh, back, suplex, back suplex an inverted dragon screw by Fish. Um, some more leg targeting by Fish. Corner strikes and then a re- repeat leg kicks in the corner by Fish. Uh, Fish goes for a superplex or like he's looking for something from the top rope. Right. Punk knocks him off and hits his elbow drop. Um, Punk starts to fight back with some forearms and strikes, but a swift leg kick by Fish gets him back in control as he's been targeting that leg throughout the match. Sure has. Punk kneels a single leg drop kick and begins his comeback, finishing with the corner high knee short arm lariat combo for two. Fish counters the GTS and intercepts it with a dragon screw, and he falls with the basement lariat. Punk is able to hit the GTS, but is slow to get the pin due to the injured leg. And he does get the win, although Fish kind of kicked out at three, so it's, it's a little debatable. Definitely questionable, right? Well, you didn't comment on Punk's uh, tights. Oh, yeah, he's wearing the long tights again, and didn't it's garbage. Didn't look good. Yeah. Uh, so I thought this was a good match, but I agree. It was sort of a questionable finish. I don't know if they're going to go back to it in the future. I don't but mind it, it though, because it, it does kind of make sense. It sure looked like Fish got the shoulder up, and it's funny... It's nice details because commentary spent some time at the beginning talking to us about how, like, if he hits the GTS, it's over. So even though he didn't hit it super well because he was selling that injured knee, he still ended up winning with it. So regardless of the finish, I thought it was a solid opening match with Fish attacking the knee at just a nice methodical pace. And then Punk just getting in brief flurries of offense along the way. Uh, Punk sold his knee really well, I thought. Even the GTS looked a bit light since that was his injured knee. Uh, Fish looked good in control from a lot of this match. He kept up this methodical, targeted offense where he just keeps coming at you, right? Um, Which I really like. So I've seen some people really rave about this match. I think it was good, but I don't think it was amazing. But I still thought it was a a good opener. I enjoyed the match. I have just uh, seen some things came across my feed where people were raving about it. I didn't read details because I never do until I'm done with this. Yeah, nothing to rave about. I thought it was a good opener, though. Yeah. Um, I thought this was a good opener, another good effort from both of these guys. Fish was great in control again, once again isolating the leg throughout the match. And he even played into the finish a bit. I thought Punk looked pretty good again, but Fish was definitely on uh, majority offense. He was. Um, the fish finish with the if you kick out isn't the best, but it kind of makes sense because of how Punk got to the pin leg because he used his bad leg. And they might come back to this somewhere right. along the line, right? Um, it makes Fish look a little better, actually, because yep. like, his... Like, his pi- his targeting kind of paid off. I mean, not and it's really, like, but like, did he kick out of the GTS right. when and we're it, told it nobody can? It could set up an eventual rematch, yep. which I'm fine with. Um, next, we get a quick promo from Malachi Black. Uh, he says to Cody, he made his own family lose faith in in him, and he split the whole nightmare family. He says he made Cody go to depths he hasn't gone to before, which, I mean. I guess he hasn't hit a crossroads off of the apron through a table before. Yeah, I mean, I think that's other, what he's referring to, probably. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, he and says, he won with a different finisher too, right? That's true. He hit the C four spike. Tiger Driver ninety eight. Right. Well, I'm like, what are you? I don't know what you're talking about. Homage to Josh Alexander. <laughs> um, he says this is not about pinfalls, and he says the house always wins, which I don't, 
I, I assume that's House of Black, but it could yes. also be a reference to their house show. Right. Uh, no, but it, maybe it's a reference to the poker guy on NXT. <laughs> He's coming over next. Uh, I like this. I like that Black has found a way that even kind of makes some sense, right? To pull a victory out of a loss to Cody. He's like, whatever. You still had to stoop to levels you don't stoop to. And, I he, turned and people, he did already beat Cody twice. I turned people that you love against you sort of thing. Um, so it's basically like he's winning the mind games even if he faced a setback in the physicality department, right? And I think his character's willing to make that trade-off at this point, which I find interesting. So I thought this was cool and it makes it sort of seem like this feud isn't over yet, right? I felt, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it. I don't think it is because, I mean, we'll talk we see about stuff that later. later yeah. um, another cool promo from Black. I'm not super thrilled about the continuation of the feud, but I'm okay with it. Maybe Black can still push Cody to the brink of turning heel. Yes. And I also would like him and Andrade to win the tag titles now because I think that would be really cool. It would be cool. Because, like, who's going to stop him? It's Malachi and Andrade. And also, I think their alliance is the coolest thing since the Death Triangle. Wow. Nice. Yeah, it's... Death Triangle's, like, back big time right now. Well, eh? and I'm just thinking in terms of cool boys teaming up with other yep. cool boys, I cannot think of a better one since the Death Triangle, which is still the best one. Yeah, I just kind of like this because Black's like, I lost the match, but I'm messing with your yeah, head. And that's I liked it. in the long His run. His promo style still, I, yep. I really like it. It was cool. Uh, next, we get MJF versus Bryce Donovan, who I don't know if I'm right on this, but he looks like that one guy that um the acclaimed had in that buck hunt video he looks exactly like he looks like one of them you're probably right i don't know i i i think so it'd be kind of the weird thing that i remember um this is literally just a squash mjf offers a handshake and uses it to get a cheap shot he sends donovan to the apron hits the heat seeker which is that pendulum pile driver uh for the win um, and he pins him with one finger because he's MJF. Yep. Um, and after the match, he set, he cuts a promo. He says Boston is exactly how he remembers it, and he assaults Boston. He says they got to see him when he do what he does best. And he said he'd rather send his junk in a blender than go near women from Boston. <laughs> right. Um, he says their accents are disgusting. And he says, speaking of disgusting, and he, then he starts talking about Darby Allen. He asks if they like Darby Allen. He says it makes sense because Boston loves to cheer for losers. He says Darby made the mistake of interrupting him, and he threw the gauntlet down. He says Darby said he couldn't break him mentally, but Darby's too afraid to show up for work now. He says Darby should be afraid, because he already knocked out Sting with his ring, which he beat Hangman to win two years ago, which I thought that was nice, because like, Hangman's like one of the top guys, right. so he's like, I, I've beaten him before. He's kind of making his case to be in the main event here, right, yep. a little bit? I mean, I could definitely see that happening Me too. Um, with Hangman winning. Um, he says Darby is out of his hair now and there's nothing stopping him from achieving his destiny and he'll be either Hangman or Kenny. He says he doesn't care who wins and he'll become world champion. Sting's music plays and the music stops and he laughs like a maniac, calls the fans stupid because he obviously orchestrated funny. it. Yeah. I thought that was funny and also I was thankful because no Sting. Well, temporarily. Because uh, then the lights go out and he assumes it was Spears and then he's like, it's not me, pal. And a video plays of a guy in a ninja mask trademark of darby's old vignettes like just a photocopied face right. that he puts over yeah yep um who he's standing on like a stage and then uh darby drop kicks him and says he'll break mjf i think it was physically was that a, co- a the, concert somewhere yeah yeah um sting attacks with the chair from behind mjf runs out of the ring and he's standing near the barricade but darby comes from the crowd and attacks spears as mjf runs up the ramp um darby grabs a thumbtack skateboard from under the ring and hits wardlow with it and then he challenges mjf for a match at full gear yeah, I, I thought this was another good AEW squash match because MJF ran out looking extra aggressive too, right? And that 
what is it the heat seeker it was a big heat seeker that might be the biggest one i've seen him hit and he still found time to like engage in heel tactics right like kicking away the handshake to start and whatnot and then he cut another good promo and i kind of like that him claiming he's broken darby and darby's too scared to show up i thought darby's return was a little bit underwhelming just the way they did it um and it bugged me he didn't really do anything to wardlow or spears right like it was just one shot and then yeah he just stood there um so all together, I guess it's setting up the match we knew we were getting anyways, but this segment took up a bit more time than it needed to. MJF is cutting good promos, but the majority of it's not aimed at Darby, right? It's aimed at the crowd. So I don't think I'm into this feud as man match as much as they want me to be. I think maybe now that we're actually going getting the match, maybe they can direct it more. Yeah, he needs a clear target for his promos, right? Yeah. And targeting the crowd is funny, but it's not building anything really. Yeah, I, I don't mind like the quick jab at the beginning yeah. or whatever, and like maybe here and there, but I yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, I thought the match was it was a straight up squash, but it was effective. Another solid promo from Jeff after the match. Honestly, he would be a pretty good challenger for Hangman when he wins the title. Yep. So I think that'll inevitably happen. We need some good heel challengers. I think MJF is right at the top of that list. But the little video package is cool and reminiscent of Darby's old vignettes. Yeah, which very. I do, Darby. I do still kind of miss. Very on brand. Um, yeah, good to see Darby back. Which I mean, yeah, the return was a little underwhelming, but still cool. Um, this should be a good match for Full Gear. I just hope that they don't turn it into MJF and Spears versus Darby and Sting or something, <laughs> which I don't know why I even suggested that, because now that's... You put it into the universe. ...out there, there, but I uh, could definitely see it as a possibility. Yep. Next, we get uh, an interview with Britt Baker, so uh, Shivani, I think, who's interviewing. It was. He usually does it. Yep. Um, I wonder how... I feel like we haven't seen Alex Marvez in a bit. I don't remember I don't think if we've so seen either, him, but no. I, I don't remember. No, it was him. all a lot of Tony tonight. All yep. my notes are so and so with Tony. Mm. I don't. I don't even make a note of it, so I don't even remember. But I'll um, remind you. It's fine. Since Baker walked out on a match against Abaddon at the Jericho Cruise, which I wish they had done Dynamite on there again, because I thought that was a really cool. It was a episode cool. when they did. It. That was. I remember that was when Hangman and Omega won the titles. Yeah, maybe not in a pandemic. They might go back to it. I guess so. I but know. I mean, if they're doing it anyways right yeah if they're doing the cruise anyways um but so basically she walked out on a match against abaddon at the jericho cruise so she'll have to face abaddon on rampage in a trick or treat match which i guess they can't call a trick or street fight no no, the no. name's already trademarked taken. and this match is very different I, w- I would like to stress which they it's it's a no key match it is a trick or street fight essentially and if abaddon wins she gets a title shot so that's the treat and the trick is the no dqness of yes it. Um, Baker says she'll see Abaddon on Friday, and she says trick or treat Abby, and then signs off with her catchphrase. I thought this was fine, but Baker didn't really say much. So there's no. not really much to say about it. My favorite part of this was Tony phrases it as "if you're still champion," and the look she gives him when he says "if you're still champion" was beautiful and my favorite part of this. Because you're right, she didn't really say much, but so much of her attitude and whatever came through in that look she gave her and buddy I'm just Tony. Noticing, right, like Hater didn't. He, she just stood there here. Yes. But she really hasn't done much. Like nope. she, she came here. I think she what she faced. She's got red velvet, velvet in the tournament coming and up. And then um, she fit. No, it was Bunny and Velvet. No. Oh, was it? Oh, that's yeah. right. That dream and then, match. And then she lost to Soho. <laughs> like, she she really hasn't done anything. So I, I want. I mean, it, it, like, she. I need, They need to do more with her. Like, she needs to yeah. be of some use. So this was really short, and Britt's awesome, and the look she gave is good, but nothing major here. Yep. Next, we get the TNT Championship match between Sammy Guevara and All Ego Ethan Page. And he does come out to the Many Year theme, which is a very good theme. You do like indeed. that. 
Yes, I like it very much. It's probably one of my favorite themes right now. I would, if you haven't heard it, I would go check it out because they do have it out on music platforms and also YouTube. I right. I like it. It's good. Um, notables, uh, Guevara runs down the ramp, like, immediately. Yes. He puts, he lays out the TNT title there, and immediately takes down Paige, rains down punches, and hits a knee strike to send him out of the ring, falls with, like, a Fallsbury flop dive. Um, he beats on Paige more in the timekeeper's area, and they get in the ring, and the match actually starts. A farm exchange, a double leapfrog, like, he leapfrogs over and then back flop, or back, black flips over him. Mm-hmm. Uh, black flop, that'd be funny. And an interesting looking drop kick by Guevara. Uh, more strikes exchanged. Um, corner chop at Paige. Backdrop, but Guevara kicks Paige in the back. Like it's, so he drops him from like a back suplex position, but then as he's coming down, kicks him in the back. So I think that's a pretty cool move. Yeah, it looks good. Um, Guevara goes for a dive, but he gets crotch on the top turnbuckle. And then after some fighting, Paige hits a sidewalk slam onto the top turnbuckle, which that's a pretty cool move. It was. It looked good. Guevara is able to avoid Ego's edge and begins a comeback flurry. Pierces air on the corner, which is basically like it's like a diving crossbody through the ropes, and then he lands on the apron. Ricochet used to do it a bunch to set up like a springboard move, and he hits a Domingiri followed by a springboard cutter. So he does set up a springboard move there. Uh, Paige gets a boot up in the corner, and as he charges at Guevara, he gets caught with that standing Spanish fly, which uh, Guevara does very nicely for a two count. I I do like that kind of being a staple of his move. Actually, it's very smooth every time. Yeah, it looks good. Uh, shooting star press to the outside to a standing Paige by Guevara. Um, Paige yanks Guevara off of the turnbuckles by his arms. That kind of, like, grabs with his arms and pulls him, like, over his head and slams him on his back. And he falls with a nice tilt-to-whirl slam for two. Paige is atop the turnbuckles, um, but Guevara leaps up. And Paige hits a body slam from up top and then falls with a lariat for two, which I thought that was a decent little combo. Yeah, top um, rope body slam's interesting. Yeah. Um, the finish does come when Guevara is able to counter an avalanche ego's edge in midair to into a hurricane run, which is pretty cool actually. And he misses a standing um, shooting star press, but he is able to avoid another ego's edge attempt, and he gets a jackknife pin for the win. And of course, Paige being a heel attacks post match. Yep. And Guevara does turn the tables on him until Scorpio Sky runs out, unfortunately not to his theme. Of course, the inner circle come out, but they obviously get Jericho soon to play, and it plays a little too long, obviously because the fans have to sing along to mm-hmm. it, and they chase off Men of the Year, and Jericho, of course, also has to speak because he can't just stand there. And he's just gotten real childish lately, I find in his promos. I don't he, know. Yeah, just like really like juvenile. Yes. Like, yeah, that is the I, word in my notes. That is very fair. Um, Jericho says he isn't surprised that men in the year tried to attack Guevara. He says he respects Sky for beating him because he, he acknowledges that he's been beaten by Sky twice. Right. And the only thing Paige has beaten is himself last night in his hotel room. Haha, <laughs> another masturbation joke. Mm-hmm. So original. Love yep. it. Hilarious. Um, he says Guevara won, so the 10 man tag will happen at full gear. Yes, don't need to remind me. Yeah. Uh, um, and he says Tony Khan has made it a Minneapolis street fight, which I don't know if that's better or worse. He says they will decide the members of American Top Team that will just participate next week because they can't just do it Ooh, now. There's a big draw to next week. Right. Like, do, why we need another second? Just do. They can't just do it now. He says men of the year, he, or he tells men of the year to tell Lambert to be there next week and they'll make American Top Team into meatsicles. And he, he does. He quotes Aaron Smith. I don't know what he said. And he says he'll kick, they'll kick American Top Team's ass. Yeah, I enjoyed the match quite a bit, probably even more than the opener. I thought Sammy looked fantastic, and he was in control for a lot of this match. And Paige, in his role, was really good, too. 
Um, he took over several times as Sammy was setting up for something kind of high risk, so that made sense. And then he delivered like high impact offense to counter Sammy's sort of speed. The finish kind of came out of nowhere, I think is also a compliment to Paige, as Sammy just couldn't set up for his finisher, right, for the win. He had to sort of, it's one of those, it's so competitive, I need to take the pinfall wherever I can get it sort of thing. The aftermath was pretty standard AEW stuff with run-ins and beatdowns and whatnot. I thought it was a good competitive match. I'm happy that Paige got a chance to shine a little bit here because I'm not loving him being lumped in with America's top team or whatever they're called. Yeah. Jericho's promo was, again, I think a bit juvenile, and it's really just to remind us of the stipulation and the upcoming match, I thought. So I, that wasn't my favorite, but it was fine, I guess. Um, yeah, I thought this was a good TV match. Um, both of these guys are good. I was probably expecting a little better, but it was still good. Uh, I did not care for the aftermath. I don't want this match, but I guess it being no to kill would be slightly less boring or maybe more boring. I could <laughs> see it going either way. Yeah. Um... Next, we get a quick, like, Eddie Kingston and Dan- Brian Tony. Danielson interview. Yep, Tony Schiavone. Yep. Uh, Kingston talks about how Brian said he doesn't work hard, which he must have sounded dark because he said the day before. Yes. Um, he says he takes pills every morning and he has to battle depression and anger. And Brian doesn't know hard work until he's walked a mile in his shoes. And then he walks off saying, like, he's done or whatever. Um, Brian- sorry about, was it sorry about showing you my back or something as he walked out? Which right. I thought was cool. Uh, Brian says that's the Eddie Kingston he wants to fight, and he has been through a lot too. But he doesn't complain about it. He says a lot of people go through stuff, and they but they go out there and they work their asses off. He says Kingston and Mox are two of the toughest wrestlers he has ever met. He's out to prove he is the best, and he will beat Kingston on Friday. Um, what do you think? Uh, I love the performance by both of these guys. Eddie is yep. pissed about the implication that he doesn't work hard, which makes sense, and Brian is pissed right back, saying that. He like other people deal with tons of things and don't complain like Eddie does, which it I like too. It almost so comes across as like he's just igniting Kingston though, and he, on which, purpose, right? Right, and so Brian gets super intense, and he's in AEW to wrestle, so he's happy that he's awakened the best version of Kingston ahead of their match, right? It, um, I thought this was great, and this is. Um, Daniel Bryan's character. He's here to wrestle and he wants to wrestle the best people. And he's even going to be like a little bit of maybe so like if, a... Right. If a, he needs to rile you up right. through some gray area stuff to get you the best out of you because that's what he's going to do. That's what he wants to so do. So I thought this was great. Right. Yeah, I, I liked it too. Um, I thought it was great. Super simple and straightforward, but I liked it. Had some realism to it. If we get Mox versus Bryan in the finals, which I think they're kind of leading up to now, Yep. Um, I think that would be really cool. It I, would be. I would love that. Next weekend interview with the Lucha Bros. I'm probably with Tony. It's with Tony, correct. Um, Phoenix is back, so that that's Coolio. Uh, Penta says something in Spanish. Phoenix is the, says that they'll put the titles on the line at full gear, so that's confirmed. So that's good. Yes. Um, Alex says speaking for the Lucha Bros. Obviously, um, the FTR claim to be the best Lucha Bros, but they don't know what they've been through, and they'll beat them at full gear. Um. I thought it was a solid little promo. Good to see Phoenix back and should be a good match. Yeah, this was fine. I'm not a huge face, uh, face fan of babyface Penta just because I know what an amazing heel he can be. But it was still a solid little promo and it's leading to a match that I really, really want to see. So I'm I'm pretty okay with it. Yeah. Um, next, we get Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb. TBS Championship Tournament first return round match. match as well. For... The return because they basically remember Shida or Deeb beat her for the not the 50th win. Oh, so, like, I mean, it's like a second match. That's all I meant by return match. A rematch. Sure. Yeah. Um, a great rematch between the two, I thought. Um, notables where Shia takes control early on with some rapid strikes. Uh, Deep Ram, she is like in a ring post, but gets pulled into the ring post afterwards. 
Shia stops Aubrey Edwards from counting, goes out of the ring to get deep, and then hits an outside-in superplex for two. A strike exchange post-commercial bra- break until Shida unleashes a relentless forearm barrage. Um, running corner knee in a corner, uh, and then a running forearm not in the corner by um, Shida, followed by a top rope missile dropkick and a delayed vertical suplex for two. Shida counters an uppercut into a backside, but deep rolls through. She gets back in control with an, a kick to the arm and then an axe kick, followed by a straight jacket German suplex, also known as Florida Keys for right. Adam Cole. Uh, she hits the Tokyo Pimps, um, which I n- only know. That, I do not know that. That's what I call it because that was a that's what Yujiro Takahashi called it. Because I remember I saw it in mm-hmm. the, one of those New Japan things. It's basically just like a sit-out dominator. Yes, it looked good. Essentially, um, yeah, uh, running knee strike to the back of the head by Shida. Dee's able to win a Falcon Arrow and goes after Shida's left leg again. Shida hits a missile dropkick off of the steel steps after Dee was sent to the outside and prevented the running knee strike off of the steel chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dee bashes Shida's leg repeatedly off of the apron and then applies a figure four leg lock around the ring post a la Bret Hart. And then she looks for a figure four in the ring, but she counters it into an inside cradle, otherwise known as a small package, uh, for two. Deep counters a running knee by Sheeta into a half crap submission. And as she inches cool closer to the ropes, yeah, it was cool. As Sheeta inches closer to the ropes, Deep pulls her away and then switches into an inverted figure four until she is able to actually get a rope break. Uh, Deep goes to hit Sheeta with the plaque, but she reverses, and as she is thinking of hitting Deeb with it. The ref takes it away. Deeb takes this opportunity to poke Sheeta in the eyes and then get a small package for two. Deeb goes for her detox finisher, but Sheeta backdrops her. Deeb tries to counter into a sunset flip, but it is immediately like flipped over and uh, Sheeta pins her for the win. Um, and then post-match, Sheeta just, or I mean Deeb just attacks for the chop block and then just Goes after yes. her leg with a steel chair, rams leg in the mat repeatedly, and locks in a running lock until the referee core breaks it up. Remember when I didn't think much of Deeb? Man, was I an idiot. She's freaking fantastic. It, yeah, I mean, I I thought um, she was pretty good when even when she was just a baby face and she was defending the NWA title against yep. like Layla Hershwana. But this is like pretty good. I just remember being like, she's just kind of boring yoga mom. Like, there's nothing, and then it's like. I love being wrong in that direction. You know what I mean? Like think not thinking someone's great and not then thinking she's... Bobby Fish is cool. Right. Uh, I mean, I didn't even love Bobby Fish that much. But so yeah. even before this match, I really enjoyed the simple, effective build to it. Right, and I wasn't actually sure who would win here. So all of that plus the stakes of it being a first round tournament, it made this feel more, more than just a simple TV match to me somehow. I'm a little bit surprised to find Dee believable as a heel, but I do. I think she did a great job. And I think this is a really good pickup from the first match from the tournament, which was, what was it, Soho and Ford, right? She did a great job of targeting Sheeta's leg for much of this. Sheeta even seemed more aggressive than usual. Her offense looked awesome in this, and the crowd is really, really behind her. This match was pretty much nonstop action between a really good heel and a crowd favorite with a finish that made sense to me even. Uh, I thought this was a great match and my favorite of the night so far. And I think probably my favorite match on this show, even though I I really enjoyed the main event too coming up. But I love this match. I thought the post-match attack actually got my attention and very few do at this point. But Deeb really did look unhinged here. Um, So hopefully they let these two have even more matches because I pretty much loved loved everything about this. The only detail I pointed out while we were watching it I would have changed is if if it were me, I would have had Deeb when when Sheeta's thinking about hitting her with the plaque instead of begging her not to. I think Deeb should have been asking her too, right? Because then Sheeta would 
get the loss and Deeb's motivation should be not you not getting that 50th win. But minor detail, I love this match. I thought mm-hmm. it was awesome. I thought it was a great TV match. I might like this better than the first match, but uh, it's hard to tell. Or hard to tell, hard to say, whatever. Yeah. Um, Sheeta uh, finally gets the 50 wins. This sets up a rematch between her and Nyla Rose, which could be interesting yep. in the second round. But Deeb did get the last loss. I'm interested to see how and if that plays into the Sheeta, into Sheeta's match with Rose. Um, and I would love a rematch between these two, like a, or a tiebreaker match, yep. so to speak, which I feel like I, you don't always have to do that, but it's always nice to have. Imagine if they could get some sort of character behind Sheeta because the crowd loves her already and she's just kind of there. You know what I mean? We're just, she's a baby face because we're told she is and she faces heels, but we don't really know anything about her, but right. the crowd already loves her. Anyway, yeah. she's cool. Deep is really good. I would love her as a champion in EW at some point. If not the main title, at least the TVS title, because I think oh, she's, for sure. she can definitely go. One of those or both, for right. as far as I'm concerned. She's at the awesome. same time. <laughs> well, maybe, but probably not. Uh, she needs a little more character to her, like you're yes. saying, but she's still pretty great when it comes to matches, so... I really like this. Yep, me too. Next Loved we it. get an interview with Leo Rush and Dante Martin with... Who is it? Tony. Yep. It was Tony. <laughs> um, Mike Seidel is injured, so the match on Rampage has been changed to Matt Seidel versus Dante Martin 3, which it is 3 dark, I guess. Yes. Um, Rush says they're all about timing. It wasn't the right timing for Mike. He says his debut will come at the right time. He'll show why he's the man of the hour. Ooh. Um, which hour does he the have moth. specific... Yeah, he is a moth. Mm-hmm. Is it because he's small and he's a high flyer? There was a moth in um, Lucha Underground. Really? Marty the Moth Martinez. <laughs> that's yeah. so... That he was a like, super weird character. That I sounds really, like such a jobber. I really liked it. No, he was just super strange. Anyways, mm. we'll get there when we watch Lucha. Uh, he says it'll be Dante versus Matt Seidel 3, and the third time will be the time because you have Leo in his corner guiding him rather than a mentor like Seidel who kept beating him. He says the field student will be Matt Seidel on Friday. Yeah, I kind of like Leo Rush's. I feel like it's kind of subtle heel work so far. He's basically saying a lot of the right things, right, about being this mentor. But there's like this undertone that leads you to believe he's really... Or he's like kind of insincere. He's only in it for himself, right. Um, If Dante wins, which I imagine he will, Leo's going to take credit, right, whether he deserves it or not whether he gets involved or has anything to do with it he's going to take credit for it see i was the difference maker so i like it and i noticed dante got no lines this week which is a good move after last week's experiment with him talking no more talking no more talking for dante but leo sounds great i don't think and i like this sort of subtle heel character that he's doing so far yeah um i thought this was um i thought it was pretty good a solid promo from rush um i was kind of interested to see rush wrestle but I'm not disappointed at getting St. Oliver's Dante Martin match. I don't watch Dark, so this will be the first time I'll see this match. Right. Um. So it sounds interesting. Yep. Next, we get Dark Wars 10 versus John Moxley, which is an eliminator tournament first round match. I believe the last of the four. And they spend a bit of time showing a video putting over like 10's full Nelson and him racking up wins on the internet, right? So it's like this full Nelson's devastating. He's a big, strong boy. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then... And then they face off in a largely one-sided match, almost a squash, but not quite. Yeah. An immediate German suplex and corner stomps by Mox, a back elbow to avoid another German suplex by Ten, and, but he gets another ring by Mox. Mox sends Ten to the barricade, and he rips at the mask and then bites his face, and mm-hmm. he is busted open pretty bad. Forearms and chops by Ten fall by a corner pump kick, but a lariat by Mox and more rapid punches allows him to get back in control, and then he hits a paradigm shift for the win. Yeah, uh, basically a squash match, but it ties into Mox's promo last week, right? That's what I was going to say. We did not share, new- share notes. So but to- I was saying, like, 
what he said in his promo was evident here, right? Right. So it actually, like, kind of, he followed through on it. Right. He did not mess around. He's going to win quickly, sustain less damage, and get back to his daughter as quickly as he can. And to do that, he needs to be even more aggressive and violent and beat people quickly. It's weird, because I feel like if he did this in any other circumstances, or if someone else did it, like, he was freaking ripping at this guy's mask. Right. He bit his his face face until he was bleeding profusely. Any other time, any other scenario, that's a heel move but like right. he's justified for his daughter he, yeah he, <laughs> i'm biting this man's face for my daughter right yes it, but he's Great. completely justified it and it's a kind of too bad 10 had to be the victim i know you like 10 and i think I he's do got potential like him, yeah. too i don't want the full nelson as a finisher i never no. really loved it but but i think this is exactly what it needed to be and it's funny right how much different this two-minute match felt compared to the same things on NXT. Because this one actually served... It has a, a reason for being this right, way. Right. It served a purpose and helped further a new character and a new story. Even and it's the MJF not... one, which wasn't as, like, like purposeful as this, like, even that still serves something, And right? this one isn't treating us like we're eight-year-olds. There's a little bit of violence <laughs> and a little bit of stuff. So <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> imagine a match with purpose, even if it's only two minutes. It is possible, NXT. It is possible. Take notes. Um, Another dominant showing for Mox, and I liked it again. Like I said, um, the promo, like, actually, like, it made sense, and it shone through here, and 10 hardly got out of the gates. But I think this is a super creative gimmick for Mox to be working, right? Like, I think it's... It's very it's, him, but also combining, like, the the archetype of new father, new lease on life. Right. But instead of kindler, gentler dad, it's violent, aggressive dad who's just <laughs> in a hurry to get back to his daughter. It's really right. cool. Yeah. Um, next, again, an interview with FTR, which... With Tony. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cash says that last week uh, they said they have waited uh, nearly a year to get the titles back, and they're coming to get them back at full gear. Tully says they have hit the reset button, and Lee Drippers have no idea what is coming. So is it uh, no fist, just flips? Yes, that's right. Well, they're luch- <laughs> the greatest luchadors now. Right. Um, Dax says the Lucha Bros do a lot of cool things in the air, but at full gear they will have to fight. Are you implying that they've never had to fight before nope, that is it's always just, just flipping around well that is not true because pento was in a that street fight with kingston against the bucks so right. i mean phoenix wasn't there but that's something yep um i thought it was a solid promo from ftr everyone got a, their lines and i thought it was pretty good yeah i thought it was a pretty simple straightforward promos to build a probably awesome rematch i thought a good job by all three i'm happy that dax i think he's the right person to speak last and deliver the final line so i thought this was good yep and next we get Cody Rhodes speaking. Yay. Yay. Kinda. Um, the crowd is booing right away, so I I I gotta admit, I really enjoy that. Um, he says he hears the fans. He says he thought about hitting another move instead of a tiger driver, which kinda confused me, but you had a a good theory on that. Right. And he says that, that what he could what like he then could have used his power to do whatever he wanted, but he didn't because that's the easy way out. He's clearly trying to get, like, unbooed or something as he asks him not to forget who built the bank. Um, he talks about all the amazing stuff that he has now, that he doesn't deserve it. His what, hot wife and uh, the baby that ended racism. Right. A wife he doesn't deserve or and a baby he barely deserves. And he's just going for every baby face thing right, he can. Right, like, yeah. I'm, I'm so, like, and like, it was kind of annoying. Um, and so he says he won't turn. That is pulling back the curtain, right? sir. Exposing the business. Sir, exposing the business, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says it's because he loves the fans. He apologizes to the fans and members of the Nightmare Family who thought he went Hollywood, and he apologized to Arn and says he was right. And Andrade walks out to save the day. 
Um, Andrade asks who Cody thinks he is, and he says the people don't like Cody. And he says they don't like him either, but the difference is he doesn't care about the people like Cody is trying to. Right. Which I thought that was a good point. It was. He says Cody has made stupid choices. He roasts his tattoo, which I, I appreciated funny. very much. That's funny. And uh, that, that made us both laugh. Um, and he got involved in Andrade's business. Also a stupid decision. I agree. Yep. Um, and he says if Cody wants, he can make Cody his beach. Yep. Uh, the lights go out, and none other than Malachi Black appears, and he missed Cody, of course, and then they beat on Cody and Arn, but dumb old Pac has to come and save Cody, because I guess he hates Andrade. But, I think so, yes. That's um, the, the idea. Yeah, um, he beats he- Andrade and Black of Strikes, and then it's the heels retreat. He flips, he flips them off very angrily. It's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but it kind that's, of feels yeah, like Pax talked tacked on a little bit to this, which I don't love. Yeah, but I, I'll I'll talk about that after. But what did you think? I think I like this. Um, I definitely like Andrade. This Cody coming out and trying to be the biggest baby face possible, knowing he's just gonna get booed, is really interesting to me. So is this either a Tim like really not wanting to turn heel or like, or is this a brilliant like meta heel character? Right, Cody's not dumb. He knows the more babyface he is right now, the more people will hate him. So, like, so he's gonna be healed by not being healed, right? Is this character I'm the biggest heel in the company by being a babyface, which to me is like very meta. There's like he's just gonna be it. over like night, over right. the nice because he's stuff. like telling the crowd he loves them and they're booing him, right? And, like he doesn't deserve all of his. I don't deserve my stuff. beautiful wife and my family. I'm this guy who's just and I'll never outlive the legacy of my dad and. Like, my dad's amazing, and I'm not, and it's just, like, they still hate him. So I'm, <laughs> I got to admit, I know it's Cody, and I give him a hard time, but I'm really intrigued by this. And and, I mean, I don't blame them for booing him, because if I had to choose between Malachi Black and on sure. freaking Andrade and Cody, I would choose Malachi Black and Andrade every time. So I don't know how long you can go with this, and I don't know how you work your way into matches with people when you're behaving like a baby face, but are a heel, you know what I mean? But... I'm it's really, something to think about. I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with it. And honestly, man, we talked about this a little bit. I think Andrade might be the most improved performer on the mic because he said a lot here. They used to not let this guy say a word because I think his English was super limited. But I he, thought he was really good I, I liked here. it. He made me laugh. Right? So he's now speaking for himself. Uh, and I think he's doing a really good job. Yeah, so, I mean, Chavo served his purpose, I guess. Right? And this seems to be setting up a tag team match that I'm all in favor of because everybody involved can wrestle and it should be great. Again, I don't know if I love Pac's position. He sort but of seems I love the black Andrade alliance. Yes. I love it. But I want this match, so I'll forgive whatever they're doing with yeah. Pac here. Um, I didn't love the part of Cody's promo where he was like, listing off all his stuff, which it did... I mean, maybe, like, what you're saying, because then it would sort of, like, he's, like, saying he doesn't deserve it, but maybe, really, it's just him bragging about all his crap, right? Like, yeah. He's got, like, humble this brag. half-black baby and, like, it's whatever. Ended racism. <laughs> I keep bringing that up, but, like... <laughs> it was just a funny I, I, it promo. It sticks with me. It was one of the that, worst that promos. America promo, oh, man. Oh, so my bad. God. If he faces anyone who's, like, not from America ever, which... He killed a go-go, so... Yeah, I mean, wait... <laughs> Black and Andrade, neither of them are from America. Oh, right. no. We're there gonna we get go. another American promo. Is he gonna... He's Neither's just gonna, Pac. Oh, he's just gonna end up roasting Cody's Pac, Cody's the too. only one representing America in this Yeah, one. so, I mean, or maybe they'll do, like, um, I remember, I, remember, um, I was watching, like, um, one of the cultaholic ranking pay-per-views, and it was, like, Team America, and, like, one of them's, like, not even, like, American or something. I do remember that. Um, I don't remember who, but, like, um, then it would be like that, like, Pax just ended up representing America. Well, and I think Mike Awesome was on Team Canada at some point, too. Hmm. I could be wrong. 
in WCW. Um, but but it was fine in general. Um, I thought I thought um Andrade spoke great here. He's so um, good. I appreciate him roasting Cody's tattoo because it is garbage. I've kind of just forgotten about it over and time. Cody's reaction to care, that but... seemed like legit. So I'm wondering if he didn't know that line was coming because he was kind of like you know his reaction felt like his natural reaction to it because i do hate that tattoo it is it's pretty ridiculous yeah i don't like it um this should be a really cool match on one hand like you said i don't love pack having teamed cody but then on the other hand the black on dry alliance is just so cool to me it is like if i had Italy andrade or an (laughs) AEW andrade i mean he'd be wearing those stupid pants but sacrifices sometimes you know and andrade looks like a million bucks too in the suit and the sunglasses and the the luchador pendant he wears looks awesome like he just looks like a superstar to me and he's got jose with him he does although Um, he needs him less and less he doesn't need anyone to talk for him anymore and he doesn't want outside help did you see that vicky but it is an assistant i guess vicky guerrero is going to be managing ftr when they wrestle in triple a i saw that that's really sad interesting right that just made me sad yeah i don't know why maybe it's it gets them heat more so down there i don't know Anyways. i could see even people in mexico not liking her even though she's like one of the yeah, last yeah but Guerreros. she's supposed to generate heat that's the I know. point i could see yeah, i could see everyone not liking her. yeah next we come to our main event which is the elite versus the dark order yeah um the dark order have an array of costumes ranging from like john silver as bambi we got which a he said cow- he would be we got a cowboy and evil uno and grayson is something from god of war same as champa but i think more accurate and then my favorite actually was cole cabana because he cabana is... did something funny ladies yeah, and gentlemen he, he put was... this on your calendar he... <laughs> yeah he was brand in color and he had like the cold spray it was funny. and like he looked good it, it was funny yeah yep. um and the elite are ghostbusters yes or dark busters with or um, busters with nakazawa as a giant baby from one of the ghostbuster movies and, and the marshmallow and man Brandon assumed to be cutler cutler as a stay puff which commentary man. bugged me a little bit because they were kind of like drawing our attention to it i assume that's cutler under there but you know what i mean like just say nothing let this breathe right. let us just observe um but yeah anyways. and this just this was a really fun match Madness. um notables uh at the beginning silver and cole lock up a couple times and cole shoved off both times and johnny hungy flexes because he's buff we talked about cole not seeming quite as looking as quite as comfortable doing the silly comedy as the bucks because i see i watched him on bte a bit so i mean i don't know maybe we just we just gotta see it more yeah maybe um and then a bambi headbutt by silver with the antlers (laughs) yes which i don't think we didn't think that's legal but i mean referees i don't know how you survive a headbutt with antlers but that's true devastating um, a hammer thrown in the corner and a back body drop by silver um uno goes for a corner splash on omega um but omega turns around and he hits the proton pack so you're wondering why is he still have that backpack right. on but then i guess it kind of used it as play, a weapon which is kind of funny yep uno sweeps matt's leg and rides up like a horsey as he is dressed as a cowboy which i thought was pretty funny <laughs> it was he's even got a mustache on his mask and the the teeth on his mask seem to be like more in a smile yep. shape than like the teeth i still liked his original mask the best but I'll guarantee um, there's a bunch of people that hated this match yeah. for a lot of yeah, these reasons. Yeah, but I, I loved it. Yep. A corner barrage by Dark Order as Elite are arguing with the ref, and then Co- Cabana's corner attack was he just stopped and then cold sprayed him and Matt in the face. Yep. Which, again, Cold Cabana did something funny. Mark he did. The calendars. He was yeah. entertaining. <laughs> he was entertaining, yes. Uh, triple body slams by Silver Uno and Cabana. Don't ask me why Grayson wasn't body slamming someone. I do not know. Too easy for him. He has to make everything like ridiculously difficult. Right, he has to, yep, like, smooth. He has to like flip them onto their face somehow or something so good yeah 
Uh, Grayson walks off the shoulders of the Bucks and Herc runs Omega. There we go. Exhibit A. Um, after a commercial break, a uh, double Pele kick by Grayson. A uh, springboard moonsault to the Bucks by Cabana. He tags in. He gets a flurry in with like his jabs and the bionic elbow. Yep. It, it's not my favorite, but it was it was fine in in this match where it's just got kind of a bunch of nonsense. I'm I'm more okay with it. Uh, Silver runs around the ring and takes everyone from the elite. I kind of saw it coming, but still made me just kind of chuckle and it, it was really nice yep a double super kick to silver uh snapdragon suplex by omega and a triple super kick patella drop brain buster by the elite for two as the pin is broken up i i was disappointed because the camera angle didn't catch the drop to the knee very well because mm. i think that would have looked awesome chaos erupts as everyone just gets hit by someone else like someone yeah. else will hit someone will hit something on someone then they get hit by someone like a lot of kicks i i, I missed like some of it but it was just so like it was it it was just like it had me into it because it was just like a parade of moves right, each guy getting hit hitting some, someone and then getting hit by yeah something. it was nice until yep. matt accidentally super kicks the referee right. he low blows grace and the dark orders then surround matt the rest of the men in the match but they get low blow as well simultaneously the leap all put on the proton packs and as the dark order get up in the middle of the ring they sandwich them which i thought that was kind of funny it's a bit of the dark order having to conveniently stand together yeah, groggy but, right but yeah and then they leap um they kind of do like a quadruple power bomb to command on the pile of proton packs which that yeah it made a nice sound for yep. sure good crunch um reynolds and five run out and then uh but they get take out and then they they hit a bt trigger to brand or to uh, the dark order member in the horsey suit but it is brandon cutler with tape over his <gasps> they took Ooh. out their own man unknowingly oh Ooh. my goodness so- and then the dark order pull out the elite except for matt jackson who's left in the ring with the stay puff marshmallow who could it be? It is Hangman Page. With a great reaction from the it, crowd. And he, he was just like, I thought his face was really cool. Yep. And he was just like, he just Hangman is cool. That's all there is to it. And he clobbers mouth a lariat. Um, Grayson hits a moonsault on the pile of the outside and Dead Eye Omega. Uh, Silver hits like a, the, his spin doctor move to Matt for the win. So good for him for getting the win. Um, thoughts? Uh, pure fun this match, right? Like yes. from the costumes and the entrances to the shenanigans. It was very dark order, but I liked it. Yep. The shenanigans by each team, the reveal of Hangman, just really entertaining to watch for me at least. Some great action along the way, some humor, and then a few surprises, right? So nice to see the Dark Order or actually anyone get a win against yeah, the Elite. Yeah, I didn't. I like at, at first, I didn't think they. I a didn't think they would win. And B, I'll I'll admit where I was wrong. I enjoyed Cabana in this match because at too. first I was like, I like the other three, but I'm not a huge fan of Cabana in this match. Nope, but he but was, he, made a good he choice. He had his place in this match. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and again, certain fans are going to hate this match for the usual reason, like the ref lost control. And it's there was just a like bunch a bunch of, of nonsense. Like... But none of those complaints matter to me as long as the match is fun and it's not the tone of the entire show, right? Like if you have a largely serious show, which this was, well, and then you throw something fun in like this, it doesn't bother me at all. Some and people part been... of it for me is it's it's very in line with the characters. Like yes. the Dark Order have this like goofy family vibe to it. And the Elite have been shown multiple times as being... The these heels who like are just ridiculous like goofy obnoxious douches like they did that space jam thing for that 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 um 10 man tag like it's not the first time these factions have done like it would be different if it's different people but like this is not at all out of character very on brand for them right but some people will i'm for sure say then don't they'll find a way to complain well don't put that as your main event then right like don't have this sends people home happy right i thought this was just a ton of fun a cool reveal with hangman i really like this match like i i think the sheeta um deep match was my match of the night but this was completely different but really fun this was enjoyable for a different reason yep i liked it um i thought this was a really fun match frenzy at times but enjoyable the whole time 
Um, the section where everyone got hit by someone else was really cool, and the shenanigans when the ref was down was actually pretty enjoyable, too. And Hangman attacking the Elite in a giant puffed marshmallow suit, <laughs> it was pretty funny. It was funny. Just because he, he looks kind of ridiculous, just like, he closes his mind, and he's just kind of hyped, like, but he's just, like, in this giant puff suit. Yep. And even after he took it off, he's, like, walking around, it's still, like, attached to his foot or something. Yes. So every he had time trouble he, getting out of it. Every time you see him standing, there's just this, like, white, like, I don't know, like, It's like puddle. when you have a piece of uh, toilet paper stuck to your shoe, except, like, a... Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, Silver even got to pick up the win for the Dark Arrow, so that's pretty cool too. And not the greatest match from in ring quality, but uh, an fun. enjoyable match. Yes, just fun. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the show as a whole? Very strong episode of Dynamite in the ring and out. I thought, like thinking about in ring, there were no bad matches on this show, right? The Punk Fish opener and the Guevara Ethan Page match were very good. I thought Sheeta Deeb and the main event were excellent, while being completely different matches. Even the Mox squash match, uh, or sorry, not the Mox squash, who squashed this MJF. Week? MJF, like that served a purpose, right? Um, and the Mox one. Yeah, the Mox one as well, which was basically a squash. That's because his character has changed, so there's a reason for it. Segment-wise, I like the Cody-Andrade interaction quite a bit. Brit, uh, the brief bit, Britt Baker, FTR, uh, Malachi Black, and Leo Rush segments were all fine at least. My least favorite was probably the Allen MJF segment only because I'm not super interested in the feud for some reason, but I think their performances within that and I think they still have time to turn around. Yep, uh, for me this was an A minus show this week. I thought about an A. I settled on A minus. Nothing really to complain about at all. The in ring action was at even a level above most weeks, and most weeks it's pretty good in AEW. So I thought this was a really entertaining show, an A minus, which is like a low 80s percent wise in Canada. You? Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought this was a great show too. Um, I liked the opener. Uh, Black's promo was good. MJF squash was short, and I liked the promo after. Uh, Baker segment was fine. I thought Guevara Page was pretty good. I really enjoyed the little da- Danielson Kingston segment. Lucha Bros interview was solid. Also really enjoyed them. D versus Sheeta match. It was great. Probably match of the night. Me too. Uh, Russia's promo was solid. The FTR interview was pretty good. Cody's promo was fine, but I enjoyed the Andrade part more. The main event was super fun and enjoyable from top to bottom. A great ending for the show. Overall, a really good show. And take notes, NXT, for the love of God. And nothing <laughs> that won't. I can think of that I didn't like. So, an A-. minus. They have given up competing with this company. They got stomped by AEW, and now they're like, we're going a completely different direction so that we can claim we were never in competition, right? That's Vince McMahon. We didn't lose. We just stopped and changed the pr- changed our entire but show. why? Right? But, yeah, that's details. But, anyways, uh, really good show. Uh, dynamite this week and now we'll move into another segment where we talk about other wrestling stuff and that is what we cleverly call any other wrestling business so we'll start out talking about this week's impact wrestling and i have to be honest i was looking forward to this episode mostly to see where they go with the whole moose josh alexander storyline coming out of bound for glory with Alexander being the champion for all of like a minute or something, maybe a bit longer, and then losing in seven seconds to a spear reigning champion from perhaps? Moose. So yeah, I'm interested to see where that's going to go. So the show starts with highlights from Bound for Glory, including a bunch of things like Inspiration winning the knockout tag titles in their first match, Trey Miguel winning the X-Division title, Moose winning the Call Your Shot gauntlet, Good Brothers retaining their titles, Mickey James winning the Knockouts Championship from Diana Perrazzo, and the main event situation, like I said, with Alexander winning, 
Moose cashing in the Call Your Shot after winning it earlier in the show and defeating Alexander for the title in seven seconds. So we're left with a major heel champion, a disappointed and angry babyface brief champion, and we'll see where that goes on this episode. So right away, Moose comes to the ring in a suit carrying the Impact World Championship, looking good as a champion here. He's about to speak, but Eddie Edwards' music hits, and he runs to the ring with his kendo stick, obviously. So Moose quickly beats him down and throws Eddie to the floor, and then as he's sort of heading out to the floor to cause more damage or whatever he's going to do, he gets attacked by Eddie with the kendo stick. Um, sort of as Moose is stepping through the ropes, they fight up the ramp a little bit, and security eventually breaks them up as the crowd is chanting, let them fight. Moose returns to the ring to pick up where he left off, and he tells us he did a lot of bad things to become champion, and that what he did at Bound for Glory was probably the worst yet. He took away everything Josh Alexander worked to get, took it right out of his yes, hands in front of his wife and child. He has no sympathy because now he has the Impact Championship and that makes him the greatest champion in professional wrestling. It doesn't matter. So here's where this quote got him a whole bunch of notoriety, right? It doesn't matter how elite you are. Ooh. Mm. It doesn't matter what tribe you're chief to. Wait, he's lost to Kenny though. I know. It doesn't matter if you're the boss, a man, a woman, a king, or the queen. I don't understand the reference to Sasha because she's not a champion. But... I think it's just like calling out a major player i don't know i think he I thought it so. was clever it doesn't matter what day you hold a title you can add a new day to the week and moose is still the greatest professional wrestling champion if you think that the things he's done to get the championship are despicable imagine what he'll do to, to keep, keep it, it yes. fair enough this message is for everyone in the locker room and then as he's about to finish, Alexander attacks him with a German suplex and what? some he punches. He didn't even come out to his theme? That's disrespectful. Just snuck out there a sneak attack. And then Moose escapes and heads through the crowd for safety. And then this goes right to Minoru Suzuki's graphic, comes up on the screen. His music hits, uh, gives us a little bit of time to wait. And then he finally walks out to a nice ovation from this crowd. He gets in the ring, stands face to face with Alexander. And they just, for some reason, start to fight. Um, so it's like a dream match for you. <laughs> very busy security. They come down and break this up as well. So the two men are yelling at each other from across the ring. And Alexander looks like he took a shot and his, his mouth is full of blood already from like 10 second interaction with Minoru Suzuki. So I actually like this segment to start the show. And you know me, normally I prefer matches to start a show. But this situation, right, had to be addressed off the top here. Um, what Moose, Moose said made sense in his character. Basically, it was a the ends justify the means, right? Like all of the crappy things he's done along the way are justified because he got the championship and is calling out a top stars and other promotions makes this feel a bit more legitimate to me. And it is going to get him attention because my hope is this sort of storyline is handled well and gets uh, impact some new eyes because it's kind of an interesting story with some um, really good competitors involved. So he sees himself on the level of other major stars, and he should as the champion of the company, and a heel especially, that makes sense. The Eddie Edwards interruption, I didn't think that was necessary, but it was really short. And then the Suzuki-Alexander interaction, though I'm kind of unclear as to what the issues are exactly, other than maybe it's just Suzuki wants a fight, right? And he's looking for somebody good to fight. Um, it should lead to a good match anyways, and I think the point is it's going to take Josh Alexander away from Moose briefly, so hopefully in my world that this food feud can breathe and last a while is what I'm hoping, <laughs> right? Um, so I thought this was a logical, well-executed start to this show. 
We then get a brief music video hyping up the arrival of the Inspiration to Impact TV for the first time tonight because they made their debut on the pay-per-view. We haven't actually seen them in Hopefully person on the show. Hopefully their debut is iconic. It yeah. will be, I'm sure. So Gia's backstage with Moose. She asks him if he get a lot get ready for a lot of Gia. A lot of Tony Schiavone in AEW this week and a lot of Gia. Um, so she asked Moose if he's prepared. Does anyone else do interviews in Impact? I thought no, it was just No, but she has a lot of them this week. Oh, it seems. okay, okay. Uh, he's prepared to deal with the target on his back. Moose says he knows he did a lot of bad things to people to piss them off. He knows he has a huge target on his back. But if there's one man in the locker room who can handle it, he can. W. Morsi, oh. Okay. Matt Cardona then interrupts because that's still a standard move in Impact Wrestling. Uh, even it'd, be, it'd be even cooler if Morsi and uh, Moose won the tag titles because then he would have two titles. Draped in gold. Yeah. The prophecy. Well, I mean, the tag titles are silver, but I guess. sure. Good point. Could be white gold. White gold exists. No, My wedding ring is gold, gold, but it's white. Like gold, gold. Anyways, Cardona interrupts Moose, says that he was this close to beating Moose weeks ago. Moose says this close doesn't win championships. They start right, to like brawl. That, that's a great way to justify getting a right. title shot. I almost beat you yeah. before you were Remember when you beat me? It wasn't that bad, <laughs> right, basically? Uh, so security, again, have to come and break things up. So already three things to break up for them in the first few minutes of this show. Busy security tonight. And all of well, the... they're getting paid. Uh, like they're getting their, like money's worth. Yes. Yes. Impact is getting their money's worth. I guess. So this makes sense because all the baby faces seem to hate Moose, and they seem to be sort of setting up challengers for him, right? We've got maybe Cardona, maybe Eddie Edwards, um, involved Joshua here. Joshua Alexander. So it's kind of like he can build his resume as the champion as the Alexander situation continues to build, or at least that's what I'm hoping they're doing. I'm sort of filling in the gaps here for them and hoping this is what they're doing and it could this sets up him having to be a fighting champion even if he's like an asshole heel right but anyways we get then an x division championship match as rocky romero who made a surprise entrance in the gauntlet match oh right that's why he's here yes he's challenging trey miguel for the x division championship so trey kind of has a new entrance i think i'm not the detail guy but he comes out and basically spray paints his logo on the tron uh before heading down the ramp can't remember if he, i'm trying to remember if he did that bound for glory i, I like don't remember he, i feel like he might have he might have yeah because i i think i want to say he did now actually but I, I don't actually know so obviously with me. these two guys we get quickness on display early each man sort of Romero's struggling still good i know he's he is good. right he's very good he's he just on a dark once i think or elevation or whatever yeah he's just not super believable as somebody who's going to take the title but that's okay i guess well, yeah I, I mean anyone probably wouldn't because he just won it i guess yes but. so they're struggling to find an advantage early on we get an arm drag and a drop kick by trey and he takes control a flatliner to romero kind of on the apron and then a submission but it's in the rope so he ha can only use four of the five count like we a tarantula some, like that kind uh, of no it was more no, like, I mean like but like it's like in the ropes. yeah it like was in the ropes so a knuckle lock and some rope bouncing by trey but romero pulls trey arm first across the ropes um, sort of snaps him across the ropes. Then a moonsault to Romero on the floor a bit later by Trey. Romero takes control during a commercial break, but Trey lands a kick to the head. Uh, but Romero drop kicks a 619 attempt and hits a Rana to the floor. We we get a flipping reverse DDT by Rocky Romero for a two count. Hurricane Rana right into an arm by, bar by Romero, but Trey powers out into a sit-out powerbomb in a classic spot. We get a jumping knee and the Meteora, but it's countered by Romero into a half crab. Brainbuster a bit later by Trey, followed by the Meteora, and he picks up the win in just over eight minutes. Get a new finisher. I just, this guy can do 
crazy things, right? Even though Trey's not my favorite, I agree. The Meteora as a finisher, he has so many other options in his arsenal that he could be using. But anyway, well, and like even like I think Buddy Murphy and Black do a great Meteora, but that's like not. I don't a think finisher. finisher. No, I agree. Especially Signature when, fine. Especially when they're sitting, because I don't think it it looks as cool. It doesn't. But that's my criticism with Trey, right? A lot of his stuff is not impactful. He's incredibly <laughs> impressive athlete and lightning fast, but sometimes I'm like, would that really hurt though? I mean, if he's not super impactful, you right. probably shouldn't hold one. Of, you probably shouldn't hold one of their titles. Right. Um. So the eight minute match, Trey retains. Macklin immediately attacks after the match, hits a really violent looking crosshair, which is the official name of his Tree of Woe. Um, running spear that I love so much. And then the he, name of my favorite Bad Bash character. And then he gets into Trey's face, sort of as Trey's still in the Tree of Woe, as the crowd tells Macklin here that he sucks. So I thought this was a really good match, despite, like, like I said, the result was never in doubt. Like, Rocky Romero's never winning this match. But he's a really talented veteran, and these two worked really well together. Romero's still really quick, and he has been wrestling forever now. Uh, Romero actually got more time in control of this match than I would have guessed. Did you watch it... him when he was teaming with uh, Davey Richards? Uh, no, but when I saw him, who or was he with? It was in Trent. New... Yes, I saw some of that. Um, so he showcased some nice counters here. Trent Barretta. I thought this worked, and it was a really solid match. It seems strange to me that Trey is his first... This is his first X Division title reign, because it feels like he's constantly in X Division title matches, right? Right, so it's not, like, that much different, I guess? And he does... Because they do a bunch of multi-man matches for X Division stuff, so he's been in a ton of matches, but never won it before. Uh, I liked Macklin's post-match attack. At he, least they can, like, say it's, like, it is an X Division guy, because he's been, like, oh, in a bajillion matches. Um, so I like Macklin's attack afterward. He looks awesome. They've handled him really well. Again, I'm a big Macklin fan at this point, bringing something different to the X Division. So that looks like it'll be Trey's first uh, feud and defense coming up. So Gia's backstage again, talking to Jordan Grace. She asks what the digital media championship means. And I love Jordan Grace's answer because you know what it is? She doesn't know. <laughs> Does she actually say She's that? literally not quite sure what it means. But she says her large following on social media can help her figure it out. So nobody, what? including me, knows what this championship means. But she has it. So good for her. Oh, because digital media and like digital media, like digital media. That just, it's so weird. It is like, weird. I don't think I've ever heard anyone call I guess anything digital media. Because social media doesn't then technically probably include YouTube because it's not actually a social media site, right? It's well, it, a digital people media people site. People talk on there, I guess. They do, but through but like, comments. Well, and... I don't, it's just a really weird name. I know. I don't understand it or what they're going for. But anyways, guess plus, what? I feel like if it, they call it a social media title, it doesn't really encompass wrestling. Let's play a game. Guess the interrupter. Who interrupts Jordan Grace? Ooh. Um, the influence? No. Tasha Steeles Damn. interrupts. She asks Rachel Ellering, who's there with Jordan, obviously, how it feels to be the biggest loser. Tasha reminds Rachel that it was Tasha who defeated her from the call your shot. Sorry, eliminated her, I guess, technically, from the call your shot gauntlet. Ellering reminds Tasha that she tried this before with her former partner, veiled reference to Kira Hogan here, Ooh. and it didn't work then, and it won't work now. She tells Tasha they're concerned with wins, not drama, referring to herself and Jordan Grace. Ellering then says they have a date in the ring, and it looks like that match is next. And I thought this was fine. I, I Again, I find it interesting that not even the holder of the Digital Media Championship knows what that actually means. I didn't think Jordan Grace sounded very good here, which is too bad because I love her. But I thought Ellering and Tasha Steele specifically sounded pretty good. So Macklin 
is walking very angrily towards the camera at this point. He's speaking to Trey Miguel, and he says that no one has beaten him. He is still undefeated, technically, and he wants what is owed to him, and that is the X Division title. Scott Demore shows up and tells Macklin he's not owed anything, but he'll give him a championship opportunity next week. Macklin says line him up and he'll knock him down. Then Cardona interrupts, and he tells Demore that he wants a shot at Moose. Eddie Edwards comes out and says he also wants a shot at Moose. Demore tells Josh that he deserves a chance, or sorry, he says that Josh deserves a chance more than anyone, and he makes a six-man tag match, I think it's for next week, with Eddie Edwards, I think I saw it advertised. Matt Cardona, and Josh Alexander taking on Moose and two partners, whoever he can find sort of thing. Demore then has to run and save a referee sort of off-camera from Josh Alexander as he's being berated by Alexander, and Alexander is very angry about the, uh, the title, but because the ref let the match start with his family in the ring, which is a decent point I didn't think of, right? Like, why did the referee not take the time right, to clear the ring? Right, because then he just got the... He just had to turn around and get speared. And it was Alexander sort of taking one last look at his family to make sure... To try and make sure they were safe, and then he turned around into the spear, right? So he has a pretty valid point there. Why is the ref starting a match while there's, like, fans in the ring, basically, right? Uh, so Demore tells Josh... He's going to make things right and tells him about the six-man tag. I guess that makes it right, not actually getting your title back or anything. Yeah, but not, not even facing Moose right. on one. So I'll put you in a multi-person match with him, but you have no chance of winning the title, which is probably what he wants. If right? you pin him, you win the title, but then like, what Maybe. if he's not legal? Demore then uh, tells Alexander he proved Christian wrong about one thing and don't let him be right about another, basically, that his emotions are going to get the better of him because that's what Christian's been saying, that Alexander can't control his emotions, and I guess murdering a referee backstage would be an example of that. So he Murdering? Needs Whoa. Sort of, he needs to pull himself together. So he then gives Alexander a pep talk, tells him not to let his emotions control him. He tells him to not to do it, sorry, to do it for himself, the company, and for his family. So I thought this was a solid segment. Believably angry Alexander, who makes a good point, well, right? Well, do they about... not like Moose now just because he's not fighting someone from the other company? I guess. Um, and Demore is playing the voice of reason here, which is fine. Macklin was good and intense in his brief promo. If I'm going to nitpick anything, my problem is with Scott Demore not being at all intimidated by Macklin and sort of like doing his smart aleck babyface thing to the heels. Because Macklin is terrifying, and so far he's on this rampage of just pinning everybody and being intimidating and aggressive and intense, and Demore just sort of does his sarcastic talk to him, which bothered me, but that's nitpicking. Otherwise, I like this segment. The six-man tag, again, is delaying the Alexander rematch while allowing others to continue their stories with Muth, so I guess that makes sense as well. We then get Rachel Ellering versus Tasha Steeles. And Ellering attacks right away, takes down Steels with a big boot and a senton for a two count. Ellering blocks a Meteora, throws Steels into the turnbuckles. Steels gives Ellering a jawbreaker over the top rope, as I think Ellering was on the apron and Tasha was inside the ring. So Tasha then stays in control for the middle part of this match with some stomps and a chin lock included. Ellering eventually hits a Tornado DDT for a two count, and she battles back with some forearms. Steels hits Ellering with a code breaker. Ellering rolls to the floor where Jordan Grace has to get in between. It's like um, Savannah Evans is coming over to attack Ellering, and Grace has to sort of step in to stop that from happening, but I don't think anyone laid hands on each other, so cooler heads prevail here. Ellering then rallies again with some punches and a clothesline, and hits Steels with a Fisherman Buster for a two count. Both women trade a few counters. Ellering picks up the win with a backslide and a roll-up after just about five minutes. Um, 
So Rachel Ellings really grown on me since arriving in Impact. And both of these women, if you go back and listen to my uh, Knockouts Knockdown review, they had fantastic showings on that show. Ellering, I think, had my match of the night against um, Mercedes Martinez. And Tasha just impressed me overall. She was a who lot won, who won the tournament better than uh, uh, Mercedes, mm. right? So I'm assuming has she she'll been get on the show yet. She has not, but I'm assuming she'll get a title shot at some point. So I was hoping they were going to showcase a little bit more of what they did in that tournament in this match, but they only got five minutes. So I guess it was a a, a good start and a decent short match. But I think they could have done more with a bit more time. We then go back and Morrissey is talking now. He talks about his alliance with Moose based on convenience and not friendship. And at Bound for Glory, Moose ended that alliance and that works out perfectly for Morrissey. Moose is the champion and that is the title that he, and Moose interrupts him, reminds Morrissey, and this is true, that Moose told him exactly what he would do. He basically said, if I get the chance, I'm going to turn on you in this gauntlet match and I expect the same out of you, right? So he was honest and he's reminding Morrissey that that's exactly what he told him he would do. He says he screwed Morrissey before Morrissey could screw him. And he tells Morrissey if he helps him take out Cardona, Edwards, and Alexander, then he's first to get a title shot. And Morrissey simply says, all right, champ. So this makes perfect sense too. And I think it was well done. Morrissey can be added to the list of challengers for Moose, right? Because he is awesome. Eh. He's not awesome in the ring, but anyways, I'll let you keep thinking that. And he did tell Morrissey this is exactly what would happen. So again, we're getting some, like, kind of a lineup of challengers almost for Moose um, to give Alexander a bit of a break, and it makes sense to me. Gia's backstage again, and she joins the Inspiration, sort of heads into their locker room to talk to them. She welcomes them to Impact officially, says it's incredible all they've done to this point, which is have one match and win the championships, but I guess that's impressive nonetheless. She asks what the inspiration will bring to the Knockouts division. The tag titles. And I kind of enjoyed this. The inspiration, sorry, I struggle to remember their names still. I'll probably call them Iconics at some point. Cassie Lee and Jessica McKay. They're at the point in their career where they want to give back. And they say that they want to inspire their division. So Gia asks them to get more specific and explains what that means since it sounds like a nice catchphrase, but she wants details. So then they just go on to spew more catchphrases, which I think is funny. They say they're worldwide stars, Australian legends, and inspiration leaders. They plan to take the Knockouts division to two, to new levels. Gia asks them again to get more specific, but they just kind of tell her, they shoo her out of the room, basically, with the camera person. So it feels like they're just spouting catchphrases and really aren't saying anything of importance, even though Gia's there trying to sort of pin them down and get specifics, which I kind of liked it. Because they're just all about themselves and there's nothing of substance there, right? It's just they say catchphrases and there's not really anything you can grab onto. I think that could be funny for a little while with them talking without any real substance every week. It does feel similar to Tennille's character, but she's disappeared, right? With no explanation. And that even gets more interesting later on in the show. The whole Tennille is just gone thing. Uh, so maybe that rolls up for grabs. And I think these two would do a really good job, maybe better than Tennille in this like obsessed with social media, not really a lot of substance to her character kind of thing. It seems like where they're going. We then go to a match, which is Joe Doring representing Violent by Design, taking on Heath coming off of their issues at Bound for Glory. And before that, a storyline that I've sort of lost interest in, if I'm being honest. We get a lengthy lockup and some punches from Heath. The running crossbody that usually looks good by Doring for a two count. Corner stomps by Doring, but Heath fights back with some more punches. 
Forearm shots and a heel kick finally take Doring down to the mat. And then Diener sort of reaches in, trips Heath um, from the floor, but Rhino comes over to take out Diener. Diener and Rhino end up fighting, and they somehow head into the ring as Heath and Doring are fighting in the ring as well. So the referee, I guess, just throws the match out, and it's over. Rhino and Eric Young are now staring at each other as the match is over. Diener attacks Rhino. Eric Young takes out Rhino and Violent by Design beat on Heath and Rhino. We get a body slam and a top rope elbow by Eric Young just to sort of demonstrate that he's healed from that injury and ready to compete. And then he hits a pile driver to Heath. So yet again, Violent by Design couldn't get a win in this match despite having their biggest, toughest guy in a singles match against Heath. Still can't get a win because that's what they do, right? The beatdown afterward was fine, but again, this whole story feels staler than stale to me. And we know that Violent by Design will continuously attack people and beat them down and then never actually win any matches of consequence. So it's just like, what is the point of this? They're supposed to be this terrifying, scary faction, and they never win when it's anything important. They just beat people down and then lose. So it seems we're stuck in this infinite loop, and I'm kind of bored with it, frankly. Speaking of boring, as you, as you like transitions, yes. um, or segues, I guess, the Good Brothers are backstage. Yay. They call themselves the Tag Team and Bookers of the Year, which I thought was a very interesting choice of words to call themselves the Bookers of the Year. They talk about how they defended their championships against both teams and retained them at Bound for Glory. So Juice Robinson interrupts. He says the Good Brothers didn't win that match by beating Finn Juice because they didn't, right? They pinned the other... They pinned... Um, of course they pin bullet club right bullet club and they did it off of their work since anderson stole the pinfall from finn juice is what happened finley says they know they could take the titles off the good brothers any day they want anderson they says did, right they beat they what? have before yes right, yeah. briefly anderson says if they want a title shot they have to earn it doc says that's right earn it nerds what do they know about earning? <sighs> so Good Brothers called themselves Bookers of the Year, and it seems that they get to book themselves in Impact to me. I really do think that or they I have... Or I think they book their own things. Remember they had like that talking shop mania thing? I honestly feel like they have creative control or some form of it in their contract. So this feels stale to me too. These guys have already done this little dance. Even though the You Didn't Pin Us in a three-way match makes sense... These guys have feuded. They took a break while the Good Brothers were in AEW. I would and rather now... Bullet Club like do this like what Finn juice is doing yes it would be a little more fresh than this so they're just picking up this feud again again doesn't feel fresh at all and since it involves the good brothers i'm not really interested in it at this point sorry sip of coffee there uh gia is backstage with the demon he's still around which is amazing and she asks why he's here johnny swinger shows up says the demon was here to swerve him he says this is swinger still his casino got shut down, and now he has to be in Vegas, constantly reminded that he's the only guy without a casino now. The demon cost him his shot at the championship. I guess the demon eliminated him. I honestly don't even remember. And his kind, referring to demons, aren't welcome around here. But guess what? Who's going to show up? Who would support a demon? Rosemary. Wrong. I thought that's a very logical guess. You're very close. Uh, Rosemary adjacent. Have it. Sue Young. No. Males. Um, who maybe are with Sue Young or with uh, sorry Decay yes so Black Tarus yeah. and Crazy Steve walk up and Johnny Swinger is afraid of them and then he sort of I think he referred to them as the road warriors here the demon says he came back because demons are welcome here okay bud so 
that was Spe it. Especially old ones. And Impact has a long track record with me of failing at executing comedy. But I guess this was still better than Swinger's Palace. Demon sounded pretty bad despite only having a couple of lines here. And just, I feel bad for Black Taurus, man. I think that guy is awesome and he's just continuously underused. At first it was because, right, my theory was... He's not here very he's long. He's been around right. for... He's now been there, so I can't use that excuse. They're just missing right. the boat on this guy because he's awesome. But anyways. He should be like an X-Division prominent. He could. He's constantly in matches for them, right? So right. he's like the new Trey. He's in every X-Division match but never wins. So Mickey James now heads to the ring to talk. She says, to be honest, when she came back, she didn't have the knockouts title on her mind. But when the opportunity presented itself, you know hardcore country couldn't turn that down. Yep. Right? She does spend some time here putting over Deanna for giving her the match of her life. But despite Deanna's rematch clause, no one has heard from her since Bound for Glory. Mm. She knows there's a long list of opponents for her waiting in the back, and she welcomes that opportunity. So Madison Rain heads to the ring, and I thought this was inter interesting. She's using Tennille's theme and Tennille's entrance video, right? So she And she also has Caleb with her. So she says she's constantly overlooked at Impact despite her history there. She's never left Impact, and she's been there the entire time. But Mickey quickly points out that Madison has left and returned three separate times, which I, I thought was like funny. I feel like she was in a May Young. I think she, she was. was. She was. So this whole I've never left isn't true at all, and Nick, Mickey points that out. Madison tells Mickey not to get used to being the champion. She says Mickey said the noble thing, that she wants to be a fighting champion. So next week, Mickey should defend her title against Madison Rain, the five-time Knockouts World Champion. Mickey agrees and says to make sure Madison brings Caleb with her so he can get a good clean shot of her standing over Madison as the Knockouts World Champion. Caleb grabs the mic and says Mickey thinks she's so funny. Well, she's stupid, and he has half a mind to knock that stupid smile off her face. Mickey then slaps Caleb, holds up the championship as Caleb and Madison retreat to the back. So I guess Madison has just completely replaced Tennille Dashwood at this point. I don't know what's happened to Tennille. I still haven't heard anything. And I guess Rain is a decent placeholder challenger, but honestly, I not to be rude, I have no desire to see this match. Yeah, I didn't think you would because I saw it advertised for, like I think, next week or something. It feels like something from 15 years ago to me, not something fresh from a division that I think needs some excitement put into it. So both women did a fine job in their roles here, I guess. Mickey got a little pandery, I would say, at times, uh, but the angle does not really appeal to me at this point. I feel this could have been shorter, this segment. It's not her fault, I added in here, but Madison Rain's voice is just really hard to listen to. I find it very, very grating, and I don't think it's just because she's a heel. I think it's just that's her voice, and it's unfortunate because I can't stand listening to it. Yeah. Um, and at this point, honestly, Deanna is still the only realistic challenger for Mickey, so I understand they're trying to hold off on that rematch, but it's going to feel forced to me any other challengers they sort of insert because nobody's been built to be believable as a main event talent at this point, I don't think. I mean, you could do Jordan Grace, but she's really busy with the nebulous, ambiguous digital media championship, right? right? So she's got no time. Anyways, Gia then stops Moose and Morrissey as they're walking backstage, asks them if they have their third partner chosen yet. Moose says they're working on something, and they walk up to Minoru Suzuki. He's sitting there, and they call him a violent man. Moose says he likes it, and he needs Suzuki to help them. Suzuki stands up. And at that point, his motivations are unclear. Is he on board with these guys? Is he going to attack these guys? 
Moose quickly says Josh Alexander's name, and that seems to sort of convince Suzuki because for whatever reason he wants it, Josh Alexander. So he fist bumps Moose and Morrissey, and it looks like that's our six-man match. So I thought this was a good little short segment, and it sets up a team of killers, right, for this six-man tag next week as Suzuki is going to make his impact debut, which I'm obviously interested in, and that's a pretty formidable team of those three guys. So we'll see if that match is any good next week. We then get to our main event, which is Ace Austin with obviously Madman Fulton in tow, taking on Chris Sabin. And for me, Austin's felt a little bit lost in the shuffle lately, so I'm really hoping that they find a way to showcase him a bit more, and I was hoping he would pick up a win in this match. So I guess we'll find out, because I think the guy is amazing, and it's just like, you clearly don't want him in the main title picture right now, but it feels like he's kind of done everything he can do in the X Division, so like, where do you go with him at this point kind of thing? Anyways, we get holds and counters to start, including a mouse trap and a Mahi Straw Cradle by Sabin for near falls. Dragon screw and a low drop kick as Sabin starts to focus an attack on Austin's leg. We get a dragon sleeper with a leg lock applied by Sabin that looks really cool. I think it's called the Iron Maiden, I might have heard. It looked good. Uh, Austin starts selling his leg, but he still drops Sabin across the top rope. We get a vertical suplex by Austin for two, an arm bar, and then he goes into the playing card paper cut between the fingers by Austin. Leg drop by Austin followed by stomps and chokes with his boot. Fulton gets on the apron to chat with Austin for some reason, as they, I guess, are waiting for Sabin to get back in the ring, which didn't seem like very good heel work to me. Sabin's sort of injured on the outside, and they just have a little conference and wait for him to get back in the ring. Arm drag slam by Ace Austin, but he misses a top rope leg drop. We get a strike exchange, running forearms, and a backdrop by Sabin. Cradle shock is escaped by Austin, and he hits a drop toehold and a kick. Sabin tries... Um, I don't know what I said here. Tries. Oh, he trips. Sorry. That makes more sense. Saban trips a running Austin. Austin crashes into the bottom rope. Looked pretty painful, actually. Then a German suplex by Austin, but Saban fires up right away, gets up, hits an Insiguri, leading both men are down for a little bit here. Springboard kick of Austin's standard move. He lands that for a two count. They kind of counter each other's and avoid each other's finishers. Saban hits a jumping DDT that looked pretty good from the second rope for a near fall. Fulton then gets involved as Saban climbs the ropes. Saban fights him off with a kick, backdrops Austin onto Fulton on the floor. The finish comes as Austin gets the ref to sort of check on his nose. Fulton pulls Saban into the ropes at full force, looked pretty good. Austin then capitalizes, hits the fold, picks up the pinfall victory in this Yay. main event after 13 and a half minutes. And I thought this was a good match, but I honestly, I expected the pace to be quicker from these guys right from the start. Two extremely talented performers, and I guess I expected a bit more from a main event between the two, but that's too harsh because the second half of this match was really good. Overall, the match was good, so I don't want to say it wasn't. And I liked Fulton. He wasn't really involved until the end, and his involvement makes sense. A lot of times I find he does a good job of getting involved. So this turns out it was a really good TV main event for sure, and the final few minutes were very strong, but I think if these guys were on a pay-per-view or given a bit more time, they're capable of more, but that's not to say that this wasn't a good match, because I think that it was. So, overall thoughts on this show, there wasn't a ton of wrestling on this show, because Impact was focusing their attention on furthering storylines and the fallout from Bound for Glory, and that's totally understandable. That being said, I did enjoy the opening match and the main event, which is a key to a decent grade from me, right? They've sort of learned the formula, it sounds like. Hey, he always gives Dynamite strong marks when they have a great opener and a main event, so let's try and do that. They're obviously listening to the podcast, is what I'm saying, uh -huh. for sure, right? 
Um, I don't know. We do know somebody in Impact, so maybe she's listening. Huh. Uh, the other two matches were short. Doring Heath had no finish, which I thought was strange. I liked the thread of Moose throughout this show, and it just seemed to be racking up challengers among the roster, and as sort of at the same time setting up a six-way match for next week. So I liked that thread woven throughout the show. Really, this show was to set up the near future for all of the divisions, I think, except the knockouts tag. Because Inspiration did get a segment, but we didn't learn anything about... And digital about... media, probably. Right. I, yeah, because we don't even know what's going on. But now, uh, this clearly had a purpose, and I thought most of the things they were looking to do were delivered pretty well. Aside from the Swinger Demon segment which was a miss for me, but all of their comedy pretty much is. So this felt like actually a pretty quick watch this week, which is a good sign. I approve of most of the, not that it matters, I don't think they care, but I do approve of most of the directions Impact seems to be heading in right now. So I enjoyed the show. It went by quickly. I gave it a B plus this week. Thought it was an enjoyable show overall. Uh, did you want to talk really quickly about... We did watch Rampage last night. Yeah. What did you think? I thought it was good. Yeah. What uh, Do you want to talk about it briefly or... Yeah. Um. So I liked... Uh, I thought Kingston Bryan was really good. Really good match. Honestly, very... Um, very New Japan style feeling match. It was an Eliminator tournament match, right? And it was yep. actually the opener. And man, Daniel Bryan's chest by the end of that just looked like That's hamburger. That's happened numerous times now that I remember. So he, I think he's a little insane. I think he just knows it's a cool visual, right? It looks great. Yeah, this was an excellent kind of back and forth match. Even a couple of near falls for Kingston that were somewhat believable. So a really good match. And then what did we get after that? Um, then what was it? It was the um, Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. Yeah, so no surprise Dante Martin picks up the win here. I, I mean, I don't know about you. I thought this was about what I expected. It didn't blow me away, but there was some... Obviously, Dante looks impressive in some of his aerial stuff, and uh, Seidel is a very good wrestler. So I thought it was a good match. I, I, I wasn't it was pretty good. blown away or anything, but uh, yeah. yeah, a solid match. About what I expected, which is good, right? So I was kind of half watching, but yeah. It was you, were, you were on your phone, obviously, yeah. teenage boy. And the main event? Eh, it was uh, that uh, Burt Baker and Abaddon. A very much slimmed down Abaddon, right? Again, her presentation is fantastic. She looks just crazy. Yeah, I don't. It was it was okay. Um, I didn't I didn't love it. Especially... I thought it was probably the best Abaddon's looked. Yeah, she's looked pretty limited in previous especially matches. Especially because Baker's had such a better yeah match similar to this. So. And I like the touch of Baker not wanting to put her hands in Abaddon's mouth for the lockjaw. That was a cool little detail. But yeah, there was. I think this sort of presented I Abaddon. I love the finish, but I mean... No. What what was the finish? It was like some sort of roll-up thing. Yeah. Uh, she rolled her up in the tax or whatever, which yes. I mean, it was, a, it was we fine. We did get but... tax, and I don't know why Brit feels the need to be slammed on tax on an episode of Rampage, but good for her. I'm not doing it, so good for her. That's like the last thing I'd want to do. And I think this was good for Abaddon, because it was kind of like, are they just putting her out there because she's Halloween-y looking, you know what I mean? She's basically a zombie or whatever she is. But I think she's sort Living of... Living dead girl or whatever. I think she looked pretty good here and could actually be included in the women's division. I think she looked a lot improved. And maybe it's just she's moving a lot quicker because she's down a lot of weight or whatever it is. But I thought she looked I, good I here. I didn't notice. I don't know I mean, if I would have had this as the main event, but... I guess because the stipulation. Yeah, I think so. I but guess. anyways, I thought it was a solid match. Britt looked good. Abaddon looked better than I thought she would. So I... Th it was a really quick watch, right, this show. It's only an hour, and you're getting at least one pretty fantastic match every week. So, yeah, the opener was definitely match oh, of the night. I think night. we're getting something good next week, but I can't remember what it was. I don't either, but um, you're right. We There was something. We keep saying, like, 
because our plan is not to like reg religiously watch Rampage, but they keep putting at least one match that we want to see, so then we end up watching it, right? Yeah, so we'll talk about it when we want to talk about exactly. it. Exactly. It'll be like, oh, something caught our eye, so we saw it and talked about it. Yeah. Uh, anything else for any other wrestling business? I no? don't have anything. All right, so that's going to transition us into our final segment. And I've been warned that it is a beefy segment this week, and that's where Jack updates us on the world of wrestling action figures and anything adjacent to that in Figuring It Out with Jack. Yeah, so because we got like an earlier reveal and then we got a couple days of Ringside Fest. Right. So lots of stuff. So the pre-Ringside Fest reveal that we got was images for Elite 90. Um, which So we have uh, Bronson Reed from TakeOver 30, which is the ladder match. It's a Bam Bam Bigelow-inspired gear. I think the head skin's a little off, but I think he looks pretty good. Comes with, like, a cloth jacket. Sorry, that's who? Bronson Reed. Oh, I was going to I thought you said Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam Bam Bigelow gear. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was like, that is not Bam Bam. That looks like Bronson Reed. Yeah. Um, but so, so good job then, I guess. <laughs> I think I think it's pretty good. Um, then we have Jay Uso from Hell in a Cell uh, 2020 when he was facing Roman. It's in an all-white gear. He's got, like, this... I'm a get him tank top, and it's got, like, the kind of, like, frills at the bottom, like he has, and then he's got, like, a lay as well. I'm having trouble picturing that. Oh, yeah. And he's got, like, a white arm. I think it's very nice. It, it, it looks like him now, other than the red hair at the back, which right. I don't like, but I don't love that it's the short hair, Jay, but it does look like him from that time, so I think it looks pretty good. It's probably, like, either that or Bronson Reed's probably my favorite one from the set. And then we have Randy Orton from Mania um, this year, which was uh, the red and white gear from the match with the fiend right it comes with the chair and the night sorry the match goggles. with who uh oh i don't know <laughs> never heard of him um i think this like um as far as randy orton figures go i think it looks really good i think it looks it, but at the like, end of the day it's randy orton yeah so but i think i think cares? the head scans uh spot on i think it i think that's probably one of his best figures yet um so that's pretty nice um then we have mustafa mustafa ali from his retribution days he's got like that entrance mask I used to have, and it's really chonky. Really looks, hope his contract's up soon. bad. Would he love has, to see him anywhere else. Yeah, he has a cloth retribution shirt, and his head scan is questionable. It's, it is questionable. It is a five head. <laughs> it does not look a lot and like And then, him. perhaps the most exciting figure to set, of course, I'm joking, because we have Reckoning. Hey, awesome. Yeah. Mia Timely Yim gimmick. in a painted on mask or whatever. Nice. It, it, uh, it's not bad, but I don't really love it because, I mean, what use do you ha possibly have for that now? And you're just not a Mia Yim I fan. I mean, right. And, like, How dare you? <laughs> and the Mustafa Ali, yes, it's retribution, but at least it's still just Mustafa Ali. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yes, he didn't then, have a disgusting name that right. they gave him and during that time. And then we have, um, oh, I hope we get a Slapjack. <laughs> oh, oh, we should. Uh, then we get Big Boss Man. He's got the usual baton. He's got a Big Boss Man his original outfit, nice. In, like, the Golden Age... Um, like the WWF Golden Age gear, like the blue shirt, black pants, and the chase variant I actually thought was kind of interesting because I just assumed that it would be Azure Bossman, but it's actually um, WCW Big Bossman. I forget what his name was. Was it Big Bubba? Uh, yeah, probably. Big Bubba Rogers. Yeah. Um, I know that was his indie. So he's got a WCW yeah. hat, the handcuffs, the baton. Uh, it's the same like gear molding as the um as his um WWF yeah. gear, but. It's like all black, so it's kind of like a cross between yep. his first WWE look and then his Attitude Era look. You yep. know what I mean? So I think that's kind of cool because that's a it's a little different. He's a guy that, as I got older, I realized how good he actually was. He was a very good big man, mm -hmm. right? Um. All right. So we'll get to Ringside Fest 2021 Day One reveal. So we got a lot of stuff because there's two days. 
Oh, the first thing we had was uh, WrestleMania 38 Basics. So first we have Seth Rollins from last year's Mania in a white gear with a bit of yellow. Mm-hmm. Not as good as the other white gear, but I, I don't know. It looks cool. They got decent detailing on it. I'm a sucker it. for white gear, generally. But, like, the... And the one YouTuber said, but the basics just look so flat. Like, right. they just... It's always, like, painted on crap, and, like, it just... There's... You can smell the lack of effort, you know? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um. Next, we have Hulk Hogan, which he looks a little better than the other basics because it is essentially a re-release yeah. or a repaint of an old Hogan basic. I can tell from the head scan it looks old. And then he has the the peg holes in his hands, and he's got the upper arm rotation, the ankle rotation. Um, articulation so it's an old style basic uh rare but it is existing nobody's buying anything hulk hogan anyways right mm. people although a lot of people seem to be happy nope. like oh another hulk hogan nothing hulk hogan people. there's gonna come be on. more hulk hogan's yeah uh, to come today uh seamus which i think is from mania this year um when he beat riddle um so nice. that that looks fine the head scan's good it's the same one on that elite that i got right um but basic so blech and then we have uh, Bianca Belair from, I think it's Mania 34 and in, in, from the pre-show Battle Royal. Oh, nice. Um, it's a black and silver gear. It looks pretty looks good, good, but it's yep. a basic, so it also doesn't look good at the same time. <laughs> uh, next we have, I'm going figure by figure because they do reveal some more basics from upcoming series, but they don't reveal the whole series. Like So we have basic 129 Roman Reigns, which is just black pants and then a black painted on shirt, of course. Um, it's the smash them, stack them, pin them one from uh, Mania. Right. And then there's the chase variant one with the white head of the table shirt, which I think a cloth shirt for, of that would be so much cooler. So I think the white shirt's actually kind of cool. Like, I mean, I think, like, the um, black shirts would be more, like, quote-unquote menacing or whatever, but I think the white shirt's kind of a cool look for him. Yep. Uh, and then we have, from the same series, uh, Basic 129, Dominic Mysterio, and, like, Ugh. a black and gold. That's fine. I don't really care. I'm just not a fan of him. Yeah. Uh, Basic 130, speaking of people you're a fan of, Omos. Yeah, awesome. Yep. Um, we have Basic 130 AJ from Mania. Um, I think the attire is really cool. I wish that was an Elite. Yeah, I think looks it looks good. pretty nice. Um, these are all renders. Um, most of these are going to be renders. Um, and then we have Basic 131 Randy Orton. I think it's from the uh, Firefly Inferno match because he's wearing like the hoodie and the shorts. More Randy Orton. I don't rem- unless it's just promo attire, but I think it's from that match. Yep. Uh, then we have an Elite 92 Rey Mysterio, which is in like a black and orange gear. It does have like the singlet. Um, it you just can't see it because he is wearing the pullover top kind of thing. Yeah. I kind of like the entrances. Um, it is a reuse of the Elite 72 head scan. It's basically it's essentially a repaint Rey Mysterio, like nothing right. super different. It's just essentially a repaint. And then we have Elite 92 Scarlet, which just looks awful. I hate the head scan. And I think Not the attire is weird. And the hands look humongous when you're showing me that. Yeah, because like, she's got the claws and the shoes are weird. And her face is just awful. I don't even want to look at that anymore. <laughs> uh, then we have a render for Elite 92 Charlotte Flair and then like a lavender purple gear. Nice. Looks fine. Yep. Um, Next we have Elite 93. Oh, yes. Very exciting. T-Bar. Amazing. Yay. Um, he does come with an inter- interchangeable head, though, without the mask. So I guess you could pretend it's an elite Dijakovic. Yeah. So that's pretty cool, I guess. That poor um, guy, too, man. Holy yes. cow. He's disappeared. Um, then I think you might like this one. It's an elite uh, 93 Ricky Steamboat, and he does come with a WCW TV title. Nice. So that's a, that's a new that's belt. That's cool. Yep. That's pretty cool. He comes with um, either you can take the headband off, or he comes with an interchangeable head without the headband. I don't know. It, it shows another head, so it looks like it's an interchangeable head, but the... They do that sometimes, where it's just to show it without the accessory. Right. So I'm not sure if it'll be an interchangeable head. 
he does also have the chase variant for that series. The normal will be like a white tights with like this orange dragon kind of across, and then the chase variant is yellow with like a like smaller dragons on either nice. side of the tights. I think that's pretty cool, but I probably won't get it because I don't really care about Steamboat that much. <laughs> um, next we have oh, very exciting Elite ninety four Mace. Oh boy, AKA it's a cool looking Dio figure. Madden. Yeah, it it looks pretty good. Like I'm sure it'll say. come out good. Yeah, but I it's retribution. It is and although not shown in the render image, it is supposed to come with the maskless head similar to T-Bar. Um, How dare you? That is a dominant faction that will <laughs> be relevant in wrestling for years to come. I would actually like the Slapjack then if it comes with an interchangeable head without him. With the mask. I guess we haven't technically seen Slapjack unmasked. No. Nope. But like, because um, if it doesn't have retribution logos on, that'd be kind of, that'd be Shane Thorne figure. That should I'd be all Shane over Thorne. worst of the year, no? Was it in 2021? Yeah, it was, right? What? Uh, retribution i guess so a the little. angle the gimmick the whatever Yeah, because i think they were splitting up remember around fast links i think ali was facing riddle we'll need to remember that for worst of the year yes. time i feel like yeah probably um we have ultimate edition 13 hulk hogan i believe from wrestlemania one he's got one head scan with like a white headband on it then he's got a smiling one and like a, one of those weird like the with the crazy <laughs> eyes that one yeah and then he also he's hulking comes, up brother he comes with a new uh w title like the 1985 one the pre-winged eagle one so that's kind of cool because it's at least a new belt um, a lot of people like that buttload of interchangeable hands. He's supposed to come with the, the red Hulkamania shirt that you can like rip from the front. Right. Um, and then we also have Mr. T, Ultimate Edition 13, also from WrestleMania 1. So these are both from that inaugural Mania main event. He's Back got, like, when a I was starting out cap. in wrestling. Yeah, he's got the chains. He's got this weird thingy. Excuse uh, me. Pumping thingy. Oh, yeah. Um, he's in like the red tights. He, he looks cool, but I don't understand the necessity for... Now, that'll be three Mr. T figures. That is a lot of Mr. T figures. Yeah, that's too many. He least. did not do that much for WWE. Yeah. Um, And my favorite reveal for, probably from the day, actually, is this uh, ringside exclusive Undertaker is from a 2001 Invasion era, specifically SummerSlam 2001 when he was teaming with Kane right. against DDP and Canyon because the WCW guys were holding the WWE tag titles and the WWE RIP guys Canyon. were Canyon holding awesome. the WCW tag titles, so it's from that unification match. He does come with the... I know they call it the 2001 WCW tag title, like the later version, because we already got the earlier version that came with the Snake nice. Steve Austin. And he's wearing like a rubberized kind of singlet so you can pull the straps down. That is very exciting to you. Yes. Because <laughs> they could do that with Kurt Angle now. They could do it with anyone. Yeah. I don't know who uh, else does it, but. Uh, Kurt Angle. There's a bunch Big of people. E, right. Uh, Big Show. Ron Strowman did Large it sometimes. Large Earl. Uh, <laughs> um uh well you you could give it to guys like oh chad gable yep. or maybe pete dunn doesn't do it but you could give it to pete dunn anyways brett the hart creed did brothers. it sometimes creed brothers uh, did they do it <laughs> just uh, kidding sure. no creed they could brothers. they have singlets i don't care just give it to everyone with singlets now and then you have the option nice um and then we also got some new proto images for the ringside exclusive tomaso champa it's from war games 2020 when he faced thatcher he's got this cloth entrance uh thing that looks really cool actually i like the entrance mask too um, they did fix the torso because they, they gave him more, more ripped torso. Yes. Um, so I he think is it, ripped. it is a long tights champion. I think it looks pretty nice. It's the same head scan from his, um, elite 69, which I do have. So I, I like this. I'll definitely try to get it because it, it looks cool. It's just a little trickier to get because, um, because ringside. Yes. I'm with no Canadian version of it. So we get nailed with exchange right. rates and duty and everything else. Shipping. Mm -hmm. And then we have um, an Elite Fan Takeover, or sorry, Ultimate Edition Fan Takeover Series 2, Ultimate Warrior. 
Uh, it's from um, Mania 6 when he faced Hogan. Right. You know, it's like the body paint and whatnot. We, oh, yeah. Remember we got the Elite of it for yep. like $4 or yeah, whatever? Yeah, at Toys R Us clearance yep. table. Same attire as that. Um, he comes like a like a kind of a grimacing head scan with the paint on, and then you've got like the screaming one with like the paint pretty much off. Yeah. Because um, like that's basically how it looked in the, at the end of the match. And then he comes with the yellow strap Intercontinental title and then the winged eagle WWE title. And um, some guy had a the one comment the guy had with um this one guy had that it um it was pretty smart is because at the end of the match his body paint would be worn too, would but be. they can't. So he was thinking that they make it like um heat paint like you know like water it changes oh yeah you put water. Warm water and some of it disappears right so yep. i think i think that's kind of a cool idea i'm not sure how well that would work but that's not a terrible idea so that's kind of cool but it's ultimate warrior so i don't really care fair enough garbage um, person yep and then we have legends elite series 14 um we'll have road dog and china to complete the dx army that they've kind of been building because they gave you triple h and uh, i think it was billy gunn already so nice. that's kind of interesting um, and then Edge, which I think it's Ruthless Aggression Era Edge, I want to say. Um, the normal one is in white tights with a kind of like gold um, little sparks because that's what his tights looked like at the time. And then he's got the Chase variant in red. Both come with like a red uh, cloth jacket. And then I think the funny um, addition of the series is a Mean Mark Callis. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just a funny addition. I was watching him back in those days. He's got like these uh cloth pants. I assume you can take them off, and like he's got a vest. I I think that's kind of interesting. I'd like to see them someone put the uh callous head on an Undertaker figure. Interesting. And vice versa. Yep. But I so I I think that's kind of a cool addition. That's kind of like the weird kind of thing you could put in the Legends line, I guess. Yep. Um, and so we move on to day two, and we'll start Holy with Holy cow, there is a lot. Yeah, we'll we'll start with the WrestleMania 38 Elite. Um, first, we have AJ Styles from the Boneyard match. Of course, from all the AJ WrestleMania tires they choose, they choose the one where he wears jeans. There's a match where I disagreed with a lot of people's opinions, because yes. they love that match. And I was yeah, like, I don't, I don't like this, because they reused the head scan. Um, the only really interesting thing is that he comes with a new OC shirt, which is a dead faction anyways. Back in and the days then, of Cinematches. Remember those right. times? And he, he's just wearing jeans. Like, I... Do you remember that Network Spotlight Elite AJ? And it was, like, the white gear, and it had, like, yep. blue and red on it? Yep. I was thinking they could either remake that, or, like, they could do Mania 35 when he faced Orton, which was, like, kind of a black and white and gold gear. Right. Or they could even do, like, an Elite version of that basic they made. Like, I don't know. They chose the worst one to make here, because he's just wearing, like, freaking jeans. Um, next, we have Steve Austin from WrestleMania 19. And the only thing making it him from WrestleMania 19 is the vest, which they didn't include bulletproof on the back because children, I guess. Because children. Which yep. I don't even think that's the worst thing to have. And it's literally just any other Steve Austin Elite you've ever seen. It just has, like, the the mouth open expression from the Ultimate Edition on an Elite body. Like, it's nothing really that interesting. It's a Steve Austin. They're almost all the same. Right. And we have Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 26, which was when he retired until Saudi Arabia came along. Um, I think nice <laughs> Till that money. It's a nice attire. That's probably the only one that I'm actually interested in from the series because the last one is Bret Hart from WrestleMania 26. And this looks like a 50-year-old mom. It does not look great. It's But he has not aged kind, super well either. kind of so lame. I guess it's fair. And, like, I don't know. They should, if they're going to choose a Bret Hart, that's not the one you should choose. Comes the, they, they all come with parts to make a build a figure um, Vince McMahon. Uh, in a tuxedo yeah commentator vince mcmahon nice so yeah that's that's pretty cool um and then we they re-showed render images for some elites like elite 91 hulk hogan bianca blair and rob van dam and the tiger singlet um which they showed last time they did reveals and they also showed the other rob van dam 
which I don't know if this one's the Chase variant, but one of them is. It's like a red and white singlet. I like that one. Very nice. Um, then we also have to complete Elite 91. We have Kevin Owens from um, Royal Rumble this year. Comes the the impossible, the unlock handcuffs, and of course uh, a ladder. <laughs> so I think that's kind of cool. I I I'll t- I'll take another Kevin Owens. I need new handcuffs because I had two different ones and they both somehow broke. Hope you can work them better than Heyman did in that yep. match. <laughs> then we have Sam Zayn from his current look. I think from the render it looks pretty nice. So yep. I'm I'm interested in that. And then the last one from the series is an Elite Austin Theory, which is pretty cool. Um, it's the Trunks gear from the way, the, like the blue and yellow. Right. Um, then we have some Bend and Bash figures. Are those Ooh. the ones you were showing me that look not yeah. so great? It's the one, like you can stretch their arms and do stuff with them. They're like the kind that aren't in scale with the main line. It's just one of those weird things that nobody actually buys, but they just keep trying <laughs> I one. see them on I the mean, shelves all the time. Right, you just keep they just keep trying a new line over and over and over, even though no one's actually gonna buy it. Right, and like I don't know, it's kind of annoying. And then they a uh, few new series are up for pre-order. They put Elite ninety one up, which was this that's the series with Hulk Hogan, RVD, Austin Theory, Belair, Owens, and Zayn. Mm-hmm. And then they also put up um, series one twenty seven, like basics. Um, there's Rey Mysterio, uh, Keith Lee, which we saw a render of last time they did reveals, which you know, that'll be him with the singlet. Luckily, not Bear Catley. Um, there's Shayna Baszler, which is kind of cool, although it's a basic. Um, and then uh, Walking Wild and Santos Escobar from Howling Havoc. You know, oh, when nice. they had, like, the Day of the Dead right. uh, face paint. Yeah, and that's then the, cool. The Chase variant Walking Wild will be, I think, the same gear, just without the face paint. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then also Showdown 2 Packs Series 8 will have Street Profits in their blue gear, which uh, I think it's from Survivor Series, but I don't know. It's in, like, the blue and white gear. So that's nice. Um, Drew McIntyre and Goldberg from Royal Rumble. So we'll get a Goldberg in those dumb shorts. Yay. And then uh, Undertaker vs. Bret Hart, which I, I assume is from SummerSlam 1997. But I don't know anything else <laughs> that they would be wrestling from. Right. I, I, not, just nothing off the top of my head. Um, and then the last thing we have is an Elite 90 Collector's Edition, the Target exclusive. It's, uh, it's an odd choice. It's Chief J Strongbow. That is an that odd is. choice. But those are sometimes the figures that figure hunters are really after, right? Like right. the obscure, you're which not going to get. Which is why it's the collector's edition, yeah. right? Not in like, like comma, which I have sitting right. on the shelf. Because like... you're not going to get many versions of Chief J Strongbow, right? Right. So when they come out, people grab them. Right. Yep. Um, And he comes with a tomahawk and a headdress, and that is it. Cool. Well, that was a lengthy figuring it out on a lengthy episode in general we're up to three hours and 15 minutes right now as i look at the clock ticking so i think it's about time we wrap up this episode 67 of our podcast like to thank anybody that spends any time listening to us during the week talk about wrestling we really do appreciate it i'm not again i'm not sure i'm going to be back to do a ring of honor review this week as it is not any new programming but we will definitely be back for episode 68 next saturday We hope to see you all back then, and until then, take care.